Welcome to where the big boys play. Welcome to 20 years of Nitro, our chronological breakdown of World Championship Wrestling's flagship show, where each episode is viewed, reviewed, analyzed, and categorized as we compile an audio anthology of our tour along the southern front of wrestling's Monday Night Wars. I am your host, Tim Root, and with me, <laughs> as always, it's the man who didn't hit record when we just did uh, a good 15 minutes of the show. Oh, man, betrayal <laughs> right at the get-go. So we were starting over. It is my <laughs> broadcast colleague, Dave Amantorp. Dave, uh, I already know how your last year and a half has gone because we talked about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> How's my last five minutes been going? <laughs> Super. <laughs> no, it is Dave. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited for like getting back into this. I think I mean we discussed this before. Like one of the big reasons why we were not recording um, was because we just were not into wrestling. Yes, pretty much for like the last year or so. But it's just kind of different things have happened and kind of renewed that interest and in, and in getting back into seeing what's happening in Nitro and WCW in 1997. Yeah, like you said, uh, you know, we kind of we had started doing quite a bit of episodes at the beginning of COVID last year, uh, kind of got burned out. COVID depression hit a little bit and then wrestling on we set in with some of the things that were going in with Time's Up uh, and or speaking out. I'm sorry. Time's Up is a, a different thing. But yeah, uh, with speaking out and with uh, Hanukkah and just other things that were going on. I, I believe um, Shad Gaspard died. Mm-hmm. Not that that reflected poorly on wrestling. It just made me sad. Right. And so, yeah, we, we haven't recorded in quite some time, but a few of you and uh, have reached out on both email, Twitter, Facebook, and asked if we're ever coming back. And uh, and it really, you know, it warmed my heart that people, even like four people cared. Yeah. <laughs> but the was, answer's no. Yeah, <laughs> and we yeah, kept this saying This is just no. a recording to say we're not doing that. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, we are back. We're excited about wrestling again. Uh, we're going to try to record more uh, somewhat regularly. I know that's probably like the catchphrase of the show. We're mm-hmm. going to try to record more regularly. Yep. Uh, but one of the ways in which we're helping ourselves do that is by taking some of the burden of recapping off the shoulders of Dave and I mm-hmm. uh, by introducing a more regular third member of the broadcast team. He's, he's someone that you've heard before. 
Uh, and when we did this uh, uh, the first time, I mentioned, you know, WCW, we've got our Nitro favorites, of course, but they have a stable of broadcast people. you got Dusty, mm-hmm. you've got Zabisco, you've got Shivani, you've got Chris Cruz, you've got Mike Tanay, you've got... Uh, Lee Marshall, Mark Madden over on the on the Bobby internet. Heenan, right? You've got Heenan, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably even a couple that we're missing at this point. But uh, the point is, we've we've got a big stable, right? Yeah. We've got thousands of people we could choose from to come on the show, <laughs> right? Uh, but we just happen to pick your brother, yeah. John Amatorp. He's been on the show before, uh, but welcome, John, back to Twenty Years of Nitro. So happy to be here, guys. Um, you know, like you guys said, my uh engagement with wrestling has been pretty low over the last few years but especially like at the time we're recording this in late august 2021 aew has really come to life Mm -hmm. um cm punk returned his return was huge he's seems like he's the biggest star in wrestling right now um wwe sucks and is lame i think we all kind (laughs) of agree with that no offense to anyone who (laughs) enjoys the show um but happy to be back thanks for having me now, before we get into today's show, I do want to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at 20 Years of Nitro. Uh, my tweets are protected right now because uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a political candidate right now. Uh, I won't bore you with the details of that. But if you do request to follow and I look at your profile and uh, it doesn't look like you're a spy from a rival campaign, <laughs> uh, right. I will certainly approve you so you can see all my valuable thoughts on... Uh, uh, grilled cheese sandwiches was actually the most recent thing I was tweeting about. So he's for them. Yeah, that's the <laughs> that's the kind of intel I can't give the other side. <laughs> right. What if there's lactose intolerant voters in my district? <laughs> oh, Mr. Cheese Sandwich over here. <laughs> now, technically speaking, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 20 years of nitro. I don't like Facebook. I don't tend to use it, uh, but the page does exist. If you send messages to it, I tend to respond because I see those. But uh, generally speaking, there's there's no valuable content you're missing out on if you don't follow the facebook page yeah. uh, of course you can always email the show i actually like getting emails probably the most and you can do that at 20 years of nitro at gmail.com it seems like a lot of the um international fans um tend to email you. yeah yeah there was um you know what i'll look this up and we'll mention it on worldwide just because i don't have it in front of me right now but there was uh during our our off season whatever you want to call it there was a nice fan who uh had emailed me some like music that they were doing with another person like there there was a duo mm-hmm. uh creating some like it was kind of some experimental weird stuff and i i was it was uh way out of my wheelhouse but i enjoyed listening to it i was like this yeah. is nuts and i'm glad you shared it with me so that kind of stuff i love so so keep sending the emails we love getting them now today is monday february 3rd 1997 and we are coming to you live from the mid-south coliseum in front of 8173 fans 6,946 of whom paid for a very good total gate of $77,128. This is the first legitimate sellout of the Mid-South Coliseum since Jerry Lawler and Dutch Mantell teamed up against Bill Dundee and Buddy Landell in the March, in the March, of of all the marches, in March of 1986. This is the 73rd episode of WCW Monday Nitro, and we continue the build to Super Brawl 7, uh, which might feature Hulk Hogan versus Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Uh, last week on Nitro, it was announced that the WCW Championship Committee extended the offer of a title shot to Piper, uh, and we are going to find out tonight if he accepts. Uh, I did just want to do a quick check-in around the 
promotion because uh, it has been a while since we chatted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll just run through the champions. You've got Hogan. He's your world champion, your NWO champion, your WCW heavyweight champion. Yep. Your tag team champions are the Outsiders. They lost it at the previous pay-per-view, sold out. Uh, but Eric Bischoff the next night ruled that that didn't count uh, because the referee who made the count was Randy Anderson, who was not a sanctioned referee for that event. Right. Uh, so he fired Randy Anderson and had the signers return the belts to the Outsiders. Your cruiserweight champion is Dean Malenko. Your United States champion is Eddie Guerrero. And your television champion is Lord Steven Regal. So uh, I also think it's probably important to remember because it'll be referenced a few times throughout tonight. The last time that we saw Nitro, or excuse me, <laughs> the last time that we saw Piper, I will remember how to do this. At some <laughs> right. Uh, the last time that we saw Piper was uh, just after Starcade when he won a match against Hogan that was only then revealed to be a non-title match. Yeah, the weeks leading up to that, they were not very clear as far as if, if it's for the championship or not. Right. I and mean, weren't they pretty clear that it was for the championship? It was heavily they, implied. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, Piper also, uh, I forget why, but it was clearly stated in the storyline that Piper had written the contract himself. So oh, idiot. I, right? Non-title. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get him. Uh, so, yeah. So, we haven't seen him since just after Starcade. He came on to just kind of give a goodbye speech. He was attacked by the NWO. He left uh, on a stretcher screaming in what we were told later was Gaelic. Mm -hmm. And also since then, in the few weeks in between, uh, the giant got like his shot and he's done. And it's that was just that sold out. But we're intended to kind of forget about him as a legitimate contender. Yeah, the giant won uh, the title shot from World War Three, which uh, the NWO acted like. Great, we don't have to worry about it then. But he he wanted his title shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had that match him and Hogan that was intercut with the first episode of Robin Hood. Yes, uh, which was uh, kind of a failure, a failed mm, yeah. promotional experiment. Yep. Uh, and then the match at Sold Out, which also wasn't very good. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the Giants out of the NWO. So that angle will probably continue. Um, but yeah, he's he's now kind of teaming with Luger uh, against the Outsiders, as we'll talk about later. Yeah. Now, we open tonight's episode not with the Nitro theme song, but with the NWO music and the sight of Hulk Hogan, Ted DiBiase, and Vincent making their way to the ring. Tony Schiavone welcomes us to the show, says that Roddy Piper is in the building, and we will learn his decision later on in the program. Hogan poses uh, endlessly, like longer than even normal endless Hogan posing. Yeah. He's just kind of killing time out there finally gets on the mic and declares that he is on a mission from God. Uh, I'm assuming maybe a little Blues Brothers reference. Uh, He might just believe he's on a mission (laughs) from God as well. (laughs) Let's get one thing straight around here. All you NWOites know that we're here on a mission from God. (laughs) Number one. Everywhere I go in Hollywood, California, from the Time Warner-Turner deal I put together, from the German deal I'm putting together, and from the ultimate weapon in June that I'm putting together, everywhere I go, I hear that Rowdy Roddy Piper has been there, and Rowdy Roddy Piper has been dogging me. Well, let me tell you something. Hollywood, just like the rest of my worshipers out there, all you NWOites, you know 
that the WCW shot their mouth off and offered Rowdy Roddy Piper a title shot for my NWO belt. Where do they get off at? And the WCW also let the word out that Rowdy Roddy Piper, one leg Pete, the crippled kid, oh my. was gonna be here at Nitro tonight. So, I talked with Trillionaire Ted, and I talked with Vince, and me being a man of honor, <laughs> and me being a man of my word, I said, if Rowdy Roddy Piper is in Memphis, Tennessee tonight, that I would confront him because I'm tired of the lies, I'm tired of the backlash, and I want Rowdy Roddy Piper to admit that I'm the better man that I beat him in the ring. And since he's gonna be here tonight, I, Hollywood Hogan, will put the NWO title on the line. Yeah. And if Rowdy Roddy Piper has the guts enough to come out here, the moment I see Piper get in the building, the moment he arrives, Hollywood Hogan, I'm gonna embarrass Piper all the way into the ring, put the NWO belt on the line, and then I'm gonna beat him right in the middle, just like I did the last time. So the way it goes is no matter how you put it, Roddy Piper promised his one, uh, yeah, three fans out there that he'd be here. So when he gets here, I'm gonna crucify him, I'm gonna put the title on the line, and I'm gonna wrestle him right here on Monday Nitro, NWO style. Let the games begin. You heard that, fans? Live as it happened from Hollywood. Uh, he rambles about the happenings in Hollywood. He takes credit for the Turner Time Warner merger. Uh, he mentions a German deal that he's working on. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's uh, rebranding Alex Wright. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> that'd be a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, something about the ultimate weapon coming this June. I think it's like a movie he's making called The Ultimate Weapon. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. I didn't look into it, though. <laughs> uh, he says that everywhere he goes to work these deals, people tell him that Piper was there just before him. <laughs> right. talking shit about it like, <laughs> right. so, so he's just awesome. whenever he goes into a Hollywood executive they're like oh Piper was just in here and he said that you suck I've heard that name Hogan before <laughs> I think it was the other guy saying these awful things he complains about WCW forcing him into a title shot but says that if Piper is indeed in the building Hogan will confront him and force him to admit that Hogan is the better man and that Hogan actually won at Starcade. <laughs> In fact, Hogan wants to face Piper tonight with the title on the line. He promises to crucify him right here on Monday Night Whoa. Uh, I think the closest we ever come to that has got to be the Austin Undertaker cruciform. Like, he's tied to that symbol. That's <laughs> yeah. the closest thing to a crucifixion. I oh, or, well, or Raven. the ECW yeah, one. Yeah, they did crucify. Right. Of course, how yeah. could I forget that? Kurt Angle famously was backstage <laughs> at that right. show. And yeah. It's yep. like, nope, I'm not doing this wrestling thing. <laughs> Goodbye. Nope. <laughs> we have so many examples of crucifixions in wrestling. <laughs> like, which one's the clearest one? Hogan's music plays, and he poses some more as we go to a commercial. 
I won't say this was like bad because Hogan always has like a base level of charisma that's higher than most wrestlers. But on the Hogan scale, I thought this was not a very interesting or good promo. It kind of was just boring and rambled on a bit. This was a good promo compared with like 21st century WWE promos because it obviously wasn't scripted. And like you said, you you can't really teach charisma and Hogan had it, but just kind of a nothing thing, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I and it seemed like he just kept coming back around to the the same things that he was saying over and over again. And it was also it, I felt thought it was a bit confusing cuz he, he kind of wanted to sound like I'm the better man than Piper is. I don't have anything to prove, but also I'll give him a title shot tonight. Right. But also I feel like I'm being forced into giving title shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It yeah. was kind of all over the That's place. That's good heel logic. Complaining <laughs> about problems that don't really exist. That's good stuff. Well, I mean, I like the idea of him being like, you have to admit that I won that match at Starcade. Right. When there's really, like, it's so clear cut that Piper won that match. Well, well there's, still got <laughs> there's been a, a really fun storyline, uh, quote unquote, where, <laughs> like, Bischoff and Hogan keep claiming Hogan won and they keep stealing tapes so that Shivani can't, like, oh, prove them wrong. Right. And yeah. the whole act is just like, as if no one else in America taped Starcade when they watched it. As <laughs> yeah. if that wasn't what every kid did with pay per view back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> back from break the announcers talk about uh how we're getting that big big match tonight later when piper arrives at the building uh they definitely want you to stick around believing that that's going to happen tonight some epic 80s guitar licks play and you know what that means that's right it's time for ray mendoza jr <laughs> right. the second mest- most over guy in the business named ray m jr <laughs> This is, of course, the unmasked uh, Villano 5. Last time he was out here, he was going by Tony Pena as a shot at Antonio Pena of oh, AAA. Yeah. Because uh, Conan and him have been having beef. But here he's just going as Ray Mendoza Jr. Uh, and and he's wearing, like, Villano gear. Yeah, too. his gear has, like, <laughs> five on it for, for five. Right. There's It's a very low effort <laughs> to change who he is. Uh, Tony hypes the card tonight, including Luger versus Jarrett, Benoit versus Conan, Glacier, Ice Train, Harlem Heat uh, versus the Steiners, and of course, Roddy Piper. Uh, I do, just so I don't forget to mention later, this is a tiny thing that they do all the time on wrestling, especially for like non-important matches. But he hypes, or he mentions when he runs down the card, Benoit versus Conan. Mm -hmm. Later, there's a promo with Conan and Kevin Sullivan where Conan acts as if like, he came up with the idea for that match right during that promo. Sure. And is like, hey, you got problems with Benoit. I got an idea. I'm going to take care of him for you. Yeah. Like, it was already on the schedule. <laughs> right. That reminds me of that Survivor Series when The Rock came back and teamed with John Cena. And they announced the match like two weeks before or something. And then they run the angle on Raw like the next night with Cena calling out <laughs> The Rock as his partner. <laughs> Uh, Mendoza is here to take on the former cruiserweight champion Ultimo Dragon, who comes out with his awesome pink cape Pyro, and Sonny Ono, who is this week carrying some uh, Baoding meditation balls, those like little oh. balls with chimes in them that you move around. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a pair when I was a kid. I thought they were very cool. Uh, now those are of course Chinese, while Ono is Japanese American. Yeah, uh, but his character is basically just a- Asian stereotype. <laughs> like <laughs> right. it does not matter. It just yeah. whatever Asian country is. He, like, there's no logic, there's no boundaries, it's just Asian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, they and, start... he's, and he's being referred to as Ultimate Dragon, I guess, Yes, too. of course. <laughs> All, they just, they go back and forth on that constantly. Mm-hmm. 
The two start off with some chain wrestling until Dragon hits Mendoza with a handspring back elbow that weakly connects, causing Mendoza to very carefully bump through the ropes to the outside. I, I don't blame him. Like, he's here to just lose, like, right. you don't want to take any real bumps for that. Yeah. <laughs> just yep. be, be careful. Dragon fakes a dive, but does the springboard backflip off the bottom rope to the center of the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead of, like, doing a cool pose like guys do, he jumps up immediately and hits a suicide dive through the ropes. Yeah. It was way cooler than if he just posed, like, what a cool oh. flip I did. So awesome, and he's moving so fast. And yeah. Yeah. besides the back elbow, you look so crisp out there. That's good stuff. Back in the ring, Dragon lays in some kicks to the back and a standing leg drop for two. Tony catches us up on some news out of WCW Saturday night. Uh, someone provided WCW with a translation of that alleged Gaelic oh. that Piper was screaming. Okay. Apparently, it meant the battle is not over until you get home. Yeah. Now, for some reason, Tony's chosen interpretation of that, or I think he says it's Heenan's interpretation. Sure. uh, Is that the battle is not over until Piper says it is. But I don't, why wouldn't you just say the fight's not over until I say it is? Like, (laughs) that metaphor does not work for me at all. Must just be translation that doesn't, (laughs) doesn't. Well, yeah, Gaelic, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a complicated language, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Mendoza gets an arm drag and a clothesline, and he is fired up. He takes it to Dragon with standing elbow and kicks and sends Dragon off the ropes, and in a kind of a cool spot, uh, Ultimo Dragon tries to roll through Pena's legs as Pena leapfrogs him, but Pena just kind of, instead of leapfrogging, he just does like a half a leapfrog and then sacrifices his groin to catch Dragon's feet and hold him down in the mat for a two count. Yeah. I've never seen that before. That was very cool. I suppose it makes sense that uh, a couple of guys that know Lucha would do that because that kind of... Uh, leapfrog over the guy like with his feet where sometimes they get you in the gut and f- force you further mm-hmm. uh, that's such a common lucha spot that i guess it makes yeah. sense that a guy would have a counter for like that. the luchas have counters to counters and right. things like that dragon hits a hurricanrana and then puts pena on the top rope for a top rope hurricanrana uh then it's time for the dragon suplex and the one two three dragon wins a quick one uh, a pretty decent opening match it just had mm-hmm. kind of an okay first half and then i thought a pretty good second half yeah um you know hurt by the fact that i have no investment in tony pena or in, uh, whatever we're Ray calling Mendoza. him this, <laughs> Ray oh, Mendoza right. Jr., Volano five uh-huh. uh huh. but i thought it was fine what about you guys uh yeah i thought it was i mean ultimate dragon's really fun to watch yes and and ray mendoza or whatever you want to call him see uh, you said he wasn't like big into the bumps but he took like all the kind of like classic that's true i guess i was just referring to how carefully he went to the outside but it's not Mm. like he was he wasn't hogan the rest of the match or the honky tonk (laughs) he was going down yeah so i yeah i don't need to to disparage it and and it seems like they're trying to like build him up a little bit because he i was pretty sure he was champion did he lose it to malenko at starcade yes yeah so it seems like they're trying to build him back up to be a contender again for the cruiserweight title And and also it's just it's a really good match to kind of start off the show with something someone moving around like Ultimo Dragon does. Yeah, John, how'd you like it? Uh, it was pretty good. The crowd was pretty hot all night. Um, Ultimo Dragon is over. Um, all this stuff looked good. It was pretty effective. I mean, mostly a squash match, but you know, gotta get the win win loss records kind of going in the right direction. After break, Billy Kidman glad hands his way to the ring uh, before the arena goes dark. For the arrival of the frozen one, Glacier. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> His walk to the ring has become a lot more normal. Like, he used to backwards ninja walk to the ring. You remember he'd do, like, they were, yeah, yeah. 
they experimented a lot and you can see yeah. they're they're starting to cut out the things that don't quite work or Although they don't have the lasers and the lasers do work yeah like, i can't figure out of all the things to remove why you would take out the lasers my guess was this is just a smaller building like that the entrance be. ramp wasn't very big like because yeah. glacier the first few times it came out wasn't his entrance like two or three minutes yes. long or so. yeah and this one was like 90 seconds maybe so i'm guessing it's just a smaller arena uh, he did have his uh, silly helmet and the snow and everything. He did his pre-match kata or, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, some of the elements are there. I missed the lasers. Uh, I missed the backwards walk, but it, only because it was goofy and stupid. Like, you should <laughs> right. not do it, right. even though I would like to see it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, here to call all of the cold, cold action of oh, Glacier God. versus Billy Gidman is our own John Amendorp. Uh Well, what, one note I just want to make is... Uh, Kidman comes out to no music, basically gets booed. Um, he's as white meat a baby face as there comes. Uh, Glacier got a big reaction. I heard some boos for him, too. I think this is like his seventh or eighth TV match, and it sounds like the crowd is already kind of turning on him. I think because he, he definitely gets some boos throughout the match, um, and I'm sure you know, you'll talk about this as you, as you run through it, but I think part of it is that, like you said, Kidman's such a white meat baby face. And the way a Glacier match is structured is he does dominating big moves and then poses and, like, acts cool to the crowd. Mm -hmm. Well, if the guy he's beating up is a white meat baby face who looks like he's 15 years old, right. you just look like a bully. So, of course, <laughs> the crowd's going to boo him. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just thought it was it was not good booking to make this one of his... Uh, you know, he's still pretty early in his career. This should not have been his opponent, I don't think. Like, he should have faced... Ray Mendoza. Yes. And then Kidman could have faced Ultimo Dragon. Yep. See, flip it around. That hard. Yeah. One thing I think is kind of cool about WCW, it didn't always result in good matches, but I do like that they just kind of mixed and matched their undercard sort of randomly sometimes. Oh, I have. This show has a lot of those matches. It I seems have a like. note on that later. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's cool in a sort of kayfabe way that, like, you know, everyone's fair game and, you know, you work for us, so come out and wrestle when we right. tell you to. But um, it did seem like a weird fit. Um, do we think Glacier is a failure yet at this point or no I don't think I, so I not think, yet I think it's kind of a, I think jury's out still yeah he I hasn't mean, had a pay-per-view match yet has he no they haven't really given Wasn't him a, a feud no I think we're getting close to Mortis debuting and then then I think we'll start to he'll be featured more and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I and it's still it does feel like they're they're still tweaking the characters. So, um, I don't know. I yeah, like I said, I think the jury's out because they're not quite sure how to present him a hundred percent yet. Yeah, his matches at this point are still just martial arts demos. Like he he does not have true matches yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I also uh, made a note here: um, a dubious Tony Schiavone claim, um, not the last one, but uh, calls. Billy Kidman, a great cruiserweight, which I thought was strange, but I'll get back to that. Um, opening of the match was Glacier working the arm early, setting him up for that big kick, I guess. Um, Shivani says the multi-talented and popular Glacier. Immensely yep. popular. Immensely yeah, okay. Multi-talented yeah. and immensely popular <laughs> yeah. Glacier. Jesus. That's um, just what his notes say, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, Good-looking dropkick by Kidman. Um, like I said, he's, he's a good, you know, kind of cruiserweight baby face. Um, Glacier counters it with a really good looking kind of martial arts leg sweep uh, followed by like a Peter Griffin, like count it taunt, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. Um, Shivani again, 
uh, mentions Kidman has used the shooting star press with a lot of success in our sport. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it took me three minutes to do this research here. Okay. <laughs> uh, up until the t- up until this point, Kidman is four and twenty one on WCW TV. Uh huh. <laughs> Owen seven on Nitro. Yeah. All four wins are on Worldwide. Two of them against Jerry Flynn. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Kidman also wrestled Mr. JL, uh, also known as Jerry Lynn, four times on Main Event and Worldwide. I bet those were probably good matches though. Yeah. I bet they probably were. I think you're right. Um, so uh, he's used the shooting star press with a lot of success. Is um, <laughs> maybe a claim to revisit in a couple of years. Glacier hits uh, Kidman with a good looking, kind of like inverted face first tilt the world slam. I thought looked cool. Yeah, it's like a gut wrench tilt the world slam. Yeah, it was yeah, cool. yeah. That it's, was cool, neat. it's a cool looking move. Um, followed by a lariat. Uh, Shivani follows that up with Glacier has developed some real wrestling skills. Um, <laughs> uh, Glacier hits a couple more. Kind of okay looking martial arts strikes in the corner, sends Kidman to the outside. Kidman hits uh, a thing that you see in mo- a lot of matches these days that slingshot, like flying head scissors, take down, kind of get back in the ring. Uh, looked cool, looked like it was pretty smooth. Kidman climbs to the top, goes for a flying nothing. Glacier hits him with sh- what Shivani calls a standing sidekick for the win. So has this not been named the cryonic kick yet, or did Shivani just below that it it has been but they he's had two different kicks that have been called the cryonic kick mm-hmm. uh, i do believe this is the current version and shivani just is unsure because it used to have like a spin to it yeah like the original um, version like black mass that um yes alistair black did oh okay yeah so it, i think there's still some confusion because like dave said they've been tweaking a lot of parts of the character and the finisher has been part of it mm-hmm. um it is notable that the crowd did pop for the kick so yep, they it, were booing it, him, but they, they were into that. It's a good-looking spot. Um, I also noted after the match, Glacier bows to the referee, Mickey J, who totally no-sells it, goes over to hang out with Kidman instead. He actually, because I, I, there's, a, there's a moment as well, though, where Glacier's looking at the crowd and uh, the ref bows to him. Huh, like totally Glacier's not that. even looking at him, and yeah. he just bows, and I thought it was very cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, I think that's Scott Dickinson, not Ricky J. Oh, is it? Okay. I believe. I don't know. Uh, the man, he's now a mailman. I follow him on Twitter. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. You also follow him on his route, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah occasionally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, this is two-minute, basically just a total squash. A little weird, the kind of guys that they put together for it. But, I mean, Glacier looks super green, but he yeah. looked pretty good. And like you said, they got pretty good pop for the finish. So um, I thought it was okay for what they were going for. It's always every time I see him, it's very surprising that Billy Kidman ends up being more successful because mm. he he looks like just n- there's nothing to him, like he's just like yeah like he looks like a kid, right? Um, and I thought it was really interesting that Glacier kind of like played up a heel mm. at some points because he was he was being very cocky, like especially like he did the look the finger and like counterpoint sort of thing. I don't know if he was playing into being a heel or if he thought those would be perceived as baby face actions. And it just in this case, they weren't sure. Sure. Um, Cause if he's in there doing that against um, Jerry Flynn, for example, like uh, it, it reads totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like you said, it, it did seem like he was just beaten up like someone that's just far outmatched. Um, especially because when you were talking about like that, that tilt to whirl slam thing, um, 
just an example of of glacier like because most people he wrestled or kind of his size right but now he has someone smaller and oh he gets to do some power moves and it seems like he likes to do that but um yeah i mean i thought it was a perfectly fine squash match uh it wasn't too long there wasn't it wasn't dragged out or anything like that um still kind of like we mentioned building up glacier trying to figure out exactly how glacier is going to be presented in his matches but um yeah i'm i'm more interested in once he gets like real feuds going how he starts coming off during our commercial break ted dibiase and six uh, would like for us to buy a black denim nwo jacket and i would absolutely buy one of those awesome. if that was a option still in the market uh, and then after break, we find out that if you tune in this week to Saturday night, you can see Jeff Jarrett versus Hugh Morris, mm. <laughs> the U.S. title on the line with Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko, and much, much more. Ooh. I'm interested in one of those matches. Can you Hugh guess Morris which one? Star, man. <laughs> <laughs> Choo-choo, it's ice dream time. <laughs> Tony wishes a fan a happy birthday as Ice Train and Teddy Long come to the ring. Train is hyped up tonight and gets a lot of high fives in the way to the ring. Uh, he is taking on La Parca, and this, uh, John, is where I have in my notes. This is just the kind of, like, bizarre matchup that you get in WCW. You get Ice Train versus La Parca, mm-hmm. uh, and I love it. Like, I, you're absolutely right that it just feels like we're not always interested in, like, putting natural fits together. You're a guy in the roster. You're a guy in the roster. This is a sport. Like, go out and see who's the best man. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Yeah. And, and since it, it's been a while since we recorded and, and watched one of these Nitros, it's just like, Ice Train is so fucking big, man. He's, yeah. He's, he's so gigantic. big. Did he used to play football or something like that? Yes. Have, uh, he is, oh, yeah. uh, I saw on Facebook, because uh, he is, of course, my dear, dear friend. Uh-huh. Uh, he is going into his college's uh, Athletic Hall of Fame for his football work. Oh, yeah. Cool. And, and he's also he's also like a power lifter, too, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um. And I was amazed of how small the park is because nowadays he's a big. Oh, I was right. gonna say he's huge for a cruiserweight. Like he's about Ice Train's height. He's like a mm-hmm. hundred pounds lighter. Is he a cruiserweight? I mean, he's a luchador, but yeah. I, I don't think he's a cruiserweight. I mean, he no. would he would I almost mean, he, exclusively I, wrestle him. I guess I don't think he ever. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of like uh, like psychosis. Like that, yeah, because psychosis is a big guy. Psychosis is a shockingly big guy when yeah. you see him in person, for sure. Uh, anyway, Train powers the chairman to the ground, but Laparka comes back with strikes. Laparka comes off the rope, but Train leapfrogs him, uh, showing amazing agility for such a big man, and throws him with a hip toss, followed by another and then a shoulder tackle. The Nashville crowd is reasonably behind Train, mm-hmm. uh, who stays in control with a snapmare and a chin lock. Teddy Long claps along in a very one of his patented Teddy Long way too long coats. No, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Tony takes a moment to send out best wishes to Randy Anderson, of course, who was fired last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we talked about at the time, Randy, they brought his real life cancer into the storyline. Oh, yeah. Uh, mentioning that he's got kids, he's got cancer, and yet Bischoff fired him anyway. What a son What of a, a heel. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Laparka gets a spinning heel kick and then a drop kick to drop Ice Train to the mat. Laparka hits another spinning wheel kick, this time from the top rope, and Train heads to the outside to regroup. Uh, but this gives Laparka space to nail a corkscrew plancha. Back in the ring, Laparka eats a big boot and a jumping clothesline from Ice Train. Train whips Laparka into the corner, but Laparka hops up to the top rope and tries for a, quist- a twisting crossbody. Uh, the positioning is not great, 
and Ice Train is meant to kind of catch him here. Uh, he does catch him. He very nearly drops him. Mm-hmm. Any other wrestler, I have to say, like maybe the Giant and a few other guys, but yeah. uh, anyone else would have dropped Laparka to the ground. But Train is so powerful that he muscles Laparka up for a power slam. Uh, I actually, because this was not too long when I when I originally made these notes. Uh, it was not too long after I had talked to Ice Train. Mm-hmm. So I made a gif of this and I texted it to him. Yeah. And I was like, just look at how strong you are. <laughs> like, this is nuts. <laughs> right. And he basically just said, like, ha ha, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. But anyway, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to show him. Like, Yeah, there was like, it's like kind of a mistake, but it, I th- feel like it pays off really well for Ice Train because yeah. he just looks more impressive. It's nuts. Yeah. Train follows with the delayed vertical suplex. Uh, here, I feel like you'd expect the splash and the win, but instead he puts on a leg scissors and the two men stall a bit as we cut to the back where Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are standing over Lex Luger. The outsiders have pipes and Luger is holding his head, uh, so we're not going to see anything. We're just going to have to fill in the blanks here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Na- you could see his face. They were kind of like, I'm not sure that's Luger. Right. Like, who else looks like Lex Luger? <laughs> his body on earth looks like that. Right. <laughs> Uh, Nash says, that which doesn't kill us leaves us unconscious. <laughs> right. Uh, with a delivery that makes it clear he thinks that's a very good line. <laughs> right. He was up till about 3 a.m. writing that one. Yeah. I also, I like that I noticed right away that they were both wearing, um, that Nash was wearing the Giants shirt. Yes. And Hall was wearing the Luger shirt. Yes. <laughs> I like Classic. that. Classic. That's, that sort of thing I think the click was doing too, like when, um, Hall and Nash were on their way out of WWE. Mm-hmm. There was like a big uh, rule on the road that like you're not supposed to wear other guys' gear, but apparently they would do it to every single appearance. And mm-hmm. the last couple months, Nash was just wearing Shawn Michaels stuff all the time. <laughs> so I'm actually thinking it's probably some kind of cheeky reference to that. Oh, fun! I thought it was pretty funny too. Back in the ring, Train rocks a belly to belly for two. A power slam and a standing big splash finishes the job, and Ice Train puts Laparka away. Uh, yeah, it was a. I mean, it wasn't like an amazing match or anything, but mm-hmm. it was. If you put those two guys in a match, and it's going to be a short Nitro match, that's about what I want from it. I, I thought oh, it yeah. was fun. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I actually, I don't see, I don't see the Ice Train thing. Really? Uh, yeah, he. He's he a lo- friend of the show, so you be careful. <laughs> oh, and, and he's huge, so I'll be. <laughs> I mean, he's super over and. Yeah. Or at least he, he gets a great reaction here. Like I said, I think the crowd was pretty hot all night. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. He just he seems kind of green for a guy who had probably been wrestling for four or five years at this point. He something is green. Like that. Um, I'm sure that's part of the reason they had Teddy Long with him. But, um, I mean, his, his power stuff looked awesome. Um, I think um, I'm actually a huge Laparka fan. Sure. Um, so I was really excited for him in this match. And then he basically gets squashed. But <laughs> I thought his couple of. His corkscrew plancha looked awesome. Uh, he sort of does like a whisper in the wind sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that that looked cool and is kind of ahead of its time. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was fine for a squash. But I I was kind of hoping Laparka would would win it. But <laughs> right, that's a me problem. <laughs> We're told that Luger is getting medical attention as Teddy Long yells at the camera that 1997 is the year of Ice Train. That'll be intri- well. We can revisit that towards the end of the year and see how it goes. Choo choo adds ice train. <laughs> oh that's gonna be the that's gonna be the the catchphrase of 1997. Choo choo. <laughs> From there we go to Mean Gene in the aisle where he welcomes the four horsemen. 
Mongo, Deborah, Benoit, Woman, and Flair are all out, as I guess it is Arn's week to be mysteriously absent. Uh, you may recall that uh, in every Horseman promo we've had for the last, like, month and a half, just one of them won't be there. Yeah, um, I also um, seen a recap from, at the time, they were mentioning he has an arm injury. Yes, well, you, you may remember the last Nitro we watched had just a normal arm match. I forget who he even faced, but it was his last match. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't know that at the time, certainly. Uh, but yeah, he's he's out with a, uh, I believe Meltzer calls it a hand injury uh, and just says it's believed to be serious. But at this point, no one knows yeah. that it's actually career ending. So yeah, he might be out kind of seeking medical opinions or, or something. That's that's very right. true. But no, it is also like a tradition for them to have three to four horsemen out at any time. And, and the women are always there too. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Benoit, I'm going to start with you here tonight on Nitro. I've noticed over the last week and a half, the last 10 days, that we've seen something that we haven't seen as of late from the horsemen, and that's unity. Earlier on, you were at the center of tremendous turmoil. Now I think you're one of the reasons that this elite group is back together again. Gene, it's been quite evident that the horsemen have been going through a very difficult transitional period. Not only have we been plagued by injuries, but by a lot of miscommunication and internal disharmony. There's a flip side to every situation though, Gene. The flip side is that by going through all these trials and tribulations, you find out exactly who your friends are. You find out exactly who you can trust, who you can count on. The biggest accolade I've ever achieved has been being made a horseman. I take pride in being a horseman. It's been a pivotal week, Gene. I know exactly who I can count on. Mongo, the nature boy, the enforcer, Deborah and woman. Gene, I wouldn't want it any other way. The horsemen have a new perspective. All right, uh, woman, certainly you can shed a little light on this because I think you like the environment a little bit more. I like the environment a whole lot, except for one thing. Miss Jacqueline, <laughs> you came on this scene talking about you didn't like what I did to Kevin, and you're here to comfort him. Well, girl, you go with what you know. But just remember one thing. You got my leftovers, girl. Oh, please, that's a little strong. Steve Bongo McMichael, we don't know what the status of Lex Luger is, but everybody's interested. Give me that mic, Slappy Boy. Oh, you want it back? Listen up, people! The Horseman couldn't be a more tightly knit unit. Anytime you two, Crippler, woman, anytime you two need Mongo, just dial up and I'll be there, baby. You two, Nate. And that's right! Everybody just saw what happened to Lex Luger out there. Ooh, I'm so ashamed of what the NWO did. But let me tell you what. What would you fans think about Mongo taking his place against Jeff Jarrett tonight? Oh, I know you love me, baby. I know you love me. And if the executive committee is listening back there, please let me show the difference between a Shetland pony and a four horseman tonight all right uh beauty queen deborah mcmichael certainly you've got some things to add to all of this that's right i mean you know i'm not the one to brag on myself but i have 
won 318 pageants. And I did this by scoring the hive in beauty, well, and we know how stunning I am, and by scoring the hive in interview. Well, I happen to have an IQ of 145. You know, I say anything more about that. And I scored the highs in swimsuit. So Pamela Anderson just wished she looked this good in a swimsuit. So now we know how perfect I am. Miss Jacqueline apparently does not know she's out of her league here. But you know, I'm not the one to gossip. And you didn't hear this from me. But apparently, when God gave out faces, she thought that they said cases and said, I have a leather one, please. Oh, please. But, oh. Well, you know what, though, Jean? I do feel sorry for that poor little mind of hers all alone in that great big head. But you know, honey, you shouldn't let people say, you know, you, you do have a great face. You really do. For radio, that is. You can never take a breath. Nature Boy, wrap it up, Al. Me! Jean! Talk to me. They say sometimes that familiarity breeds contempt. Well, in this case, we've worked through it all. We are reunited right now as I speak. Double A's laid up in the king-size bed with number one, Aaron. He's watching us resolve all problems. He need not back up Benoit. He need not back up Mongo. But now let me deal with Kevin Sullivan up close and personal. Devil, she wore me out, brother. Caused me to hurt my arm. Benoit took over because he's a better man. Jacqueline, nobody with a boyfriend named Shorty walks next to the nature boy. All right, I think uh, the nature boy said it all. He's having one of those Gene asked Benoit about the apparent unity in the Horsemen. Uh, so just to kind of summarize this a bit, the Horsemen have been doing like a are they going to break up angle for fucking ever. Yeah. Uh, but last week, they they kind of just seemed to patch it up. Mm -hmm. uh, Deborah has started talking her shit about Jacqueline instead of woman. Uh, so they're yeah. just the whole kind of Horsemen in turmoil thing has for the most part, uh, with the exception of some stuff with Jarrett that we'll talk about later in the show. Yep. Uh, the Horsemen are kind of a unified collective now. Mm-hmm. So Benoit admits that they've been going through a difficult transition, but the flip side to those trials is that they've come out the other end even stronger and with more trust amongst the group. Benoit says the horsemen have a new perspective, uh, and I thought his delivery here was noticeably more confident and articulate than a yeah. normal Benoit promo. It, for whatever reason, this week he, he seemed to step up his game. Anytime Benoit does uh, a promo, and I know he's going to be thrown in lots of big words, and I'm yeah. like, I'm just waiting for the point in which he uses it wrong or it gets, it, it's like, doesn't make sense. Yeah. And it didn't happen. Like it, this was like, <laughs> right. This was a, a clean promo from him. And I think it, it doesn't happen every week, but when it happened, I was like, Oh, okay. I got that. I've understood that. He's a good example of, um, improving somebody by sticking a manager with them. Cause mm -hmm. like he had woman on his arm for the whole promo. I think, uh, just having there to kind of help him kind of siphon some heat a little bit. Um, I think probably makes him more confident. Woman says that she's happy right now, except for one thing, and that's Jacqueline. She reminds Jackie that all she got was woman's leftovers, uh, and then she does a very awkward, oh, no, she didn't style yeah, triple snap. Yeah, she did, like, the snap thing, and I was like, oh, that 
I feel like she doesn't really do that. Yeah, <laughs> woman. Uh, leftovers referring to Kevin Sullivan. Correct. Right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Gross. Mongo calls Gene <laughs> Slappy Boy and demands the mic. He promises to always help woman, Benoit, or Flair whenever they need him. Mongo offers to take Luger's place uh, in the main event tonight against Jarrett this uh, evening, and the fans are very lukewarm to that idea. I was going to say, the horsemen are super babyface this year. Mongo gets booed. Yeah, they've been doing that for a while, where the, the horsemen are babyfaces, except for Mongo is a heel, and sometimes Arn is kind of a heel, but only because he kind of will just help any horseman, including Mongo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it is a weird split where like you have this faction that's wildly popular, and then one guy who's a heel for some reason. Well, I, f- I feel like the other horsemen kind of have an understanding of how the crowd's going to react to them, yeah. and they know in certain places, like if you go to the Carolinas, that they're going to be popular. But Mongo is like, I'm a heel. Yeah. I'm a shouty heel at all times. I would love to see this in any other point where like you have a faction they're a strong faction they're not even if you know they're not doing a descent angle and one guy's a heel and yeah. everyone else is a bit like i would love to see that work in any other and i think the reason it works for this particular group is even though the horsemen are positioned as baby faces like you still have all that history of them being heels mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so even when like right now they're baby faces they can still walk the walk of a heel group yeah and it's just like well no these three are likable heels and that guy's like a heel <laughs> yeah he talks bad about my town yeah likable heroes and mongo <laughs> right yeah and they all play off rick flair who is uh, who is who in the ring is always a heel regardless right. deborah uh gets on the mic and puts over how hot she is <laughs> Uh, how high her IQ is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says 145, which would put her at the low end of highly gifted. Okay. So uh, how she, good she, she looks. She didn't go for like 200 or something like that. Yeah. Well, and who, I, mean, I don't know that she really is 145, but she says it like she's really confident that that's where it's at. Right. Uh, she says she looks really good in a swimsuit. <laughs> uh-huh. And then she talks some shit about Jacqueline uh, in a very long way around joke about how Jacqueline has a leather face. Mm-hmm. It just takes forever for her to get there. It, it was really lame. And she has a face for radio. Yes, which, oh. classic joke. <laughs> right. Uh, she implies that Jacqueline's brain is very small, while her head is very large. Uh, I like that Deborah. I mean, I don't like her promo uh-huh. uh, or her delivery, but I do like that, like, the way that she shows that she's friends with woman is that she just insults woman's enemy. Right. It's, she can't say anything nice about you, but she's mm. like, now I'll just say the bitchy stuff about the person you don't right. like. Mm-hmm. That's I, how you know we're cool I now. think she phrased it something like, I bet that brain gets really lonely in that big head of yours. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, that's pretty funny. That is actually a good <laughs> line. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I do think it's a mistake, though. Uh, as much as I don't want like this endless storyline to continue... Deborah versus woman was kind of a hot angle. Like people did care about that. Yeah. And it just, instead of like, they just treaded water forever. And then there was no resolution. It just ended because Jacqueline showed up. That's not really a resolution though. Right. It feels like they just dropped that angle kind of cold. And I wish that they hadn't. I think, I don't think it works as well with Jacqueline in there. Um, So I, I, I wish they hadn't just moved on from that. But we have also heard that Nancy and Deborah have some real heat. And I wonder if, Part of it was like, if we stop Deborah from saying mean stuff on camera, mm. maybe it'll help both of them off camera. Right. Uh, Flair says that sometimes familiarity breeds contempt, 
but not this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Fine>. Rick. <laughs> uh, he says that Arn is currently injured and relaxing in a king-size bed with number one Aaron, referring to Aaron Lundy, Arn's wife. Oh, okay. Rick tells Devil, Kevin Sullivan, that Flair hurt his arm from fucking woman so hard. <laughs> And that it was at that point that Benoit took over for him because Benoit's the better man. <laughs> right. What a flare outlook like. I was fucking this broad and I was doing it so good that I hurt my arm. Right. But Benoit is even better <laughs> right. at fucking your wife than I was. I bet right before they went out, Flair goes to Benoit. He's like, don't worry, buddy. I'm going to put you over. Right. <laughs> You'll know it when you hear it. He tells Jacqueline that nobody with a boyfriend named Shorty can walk next to the nature boy. <laughs> Woo. Strut, strut, strut. Flair struts, and it's time for a commercial break. I, I also did notice that once the microphone, when it approached Rick, the yeah. fans went crazy. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, know, they know what to expect from him. Rick uh, Flair never disappoints. He's he so never good. does. He's so good. After break, we see replays covering how the Steiners won the belt that sold out and had them stripped on Nitro by an angry Bischoff. Uh, I don't quite, re- I don't think we found out on the last Nitro, and I don't remember on Worldwide. I, I have no recollection of how this match of between the Outsiders and Luger and the Giant came about. It feels like one of those things that probably just got announced on one of the weekend syndicated shows, like when they're doing, you know, the. Um, the like super brawl control room or whatever. Mm. Yeah. They just said that that's a match, but like there's no natural. I mean, the natural reason is just that Luger and the giant hate the NWO, but they have not been teaming. That's not like a thing that's been happening. Right. It really feels thrown together. Yeah. I think, I think sometime when this next match happens, they just say like over the weekend, we learned that this tag team match is happening for the titles sort of thing. But yeah, I don't really recall if the, if there was like uh, there, there's not even really like a story going on. Yeah, for tonight that might yet. have been the first time it, that maybe we just heard the first time they've mentioned that match. Yeah. Yeah. Why are they not going Steiners and Outsiders again? That seems like the easiest thing to do, doesn't Steiners it? Steiners and Outsiders is the natural match, and I would also suggest that Harlem Heat, because uh, they've been constantly winning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen Harlem Heat win match after match lately. Uh, and there's no real reason why they wouldn't get a title shot. But instead, this two guys that have never teamed together before right. are getting a title match on pay-per-view. I don't get it. Yeah, and they're far away from Sturgis, so they won't get those reactions for <laughs> Harlem Heat. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, out come the Harlem Heat along with Sherry. They'll be facing the Steiner brothers. Uh, and in the crowd are the Faces of Fear, who are wearing Nitro t-shirts, which... No is really demystifying. <laughs> like, you've got those two giant, uh, quote-unquote, savages as they are portrayed on the show. I, yeah. I'm not personally calling them that, but that's how they've been portrayed, and now I'm just imagining them going to the merch stand for, like, a free shirt, mm-hmm. just being like, come on, you give me one. Yeah. I bet Bischoff docked their pay for the shirts. <laughs> I just, like, they look like they very much, like, coordinated their outfits together, yeah. which yeah. is adorable. But also... <laughs> like a good tag team does. Yeah. But also, nothing says they have no merchandise for us. Right. Quite like wearing yes. a nitro shirt. Uh, speaking of, you know, I mentioned that I've been watching those. I, I It might have been on the version of this show that we didn't record. Uh-huh. Uh, but I mentioned that I've been watching NWA TNA from the beginning. The oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, BG James, uh, Brian James, oh, Road Dog, sh- is, sure. is a recent debut. 
And, uh, you know, he only wrestles in a shirt because he's got, like, just a horrible body, <laughs> especially in 2002. Right. Like, even worse than he had at the height of his fame. First, he, he had an unathletic body. Now yeah. he just has a gross body. He's <laughs> so bad and so blown up in every TNA match. It's very funny. Yeah. Because I've never liked that guy. Right. Uh, but when you strip him of, like, the production of WWE and, like, the huge crowds, when he's in front of 100 people going, oh, you didn't know, to, like, music that doesn't work with that even. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> and then he has uh, this tiny little rat tail beard. Yeah. It's, it's just every about, bit about him is terrible. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is he comes out just wearing an NWA staff shirt that, like, the security guards <laughs> oh, wear. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. He would be better off just wearing one of his own T-shirts from home. Right. It makes him look so low rent. <laughs> it's very funny. Oh, God. Uh, anyway, back to Nitro. Also in the crowd is Public Enemy, and Tony called Public Enemy former tag team champions. And I was like, there's no way that's true. And I had to look it up, and indeed, they won uh, the tag team championships on Nitro uh, back on September 23rd last year, and then lost them eight days later on Saturday night. They lost them on Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. I, I totally, I mean, I know it's been a long time since we recorded, but I feel like you could have asked me the week after they lost the belts, and I would not have remembered that they were ever tag team champions. I wonder if that's one of those goofy things where they tape Saturday Night First, so Public Enemy lost the belts before they actually <laughs> right. won them. I feel I feel like they're when they won the championships, it was like a weird, like almost like a double pin or like a mistake pin mm. of sorts. I um, actually remember the finish. Nick Patrick is the referee. Um, I think the Harlem Heat guys either do a switcheroo or they do something to uh, get, like, Rocco Rock in a small package. And both and all their shoulders are down. Nick Patrick counts, and you think he's going to give it to Harlem Heat because they're the heels, but he just awards it to Public Enemy. Oh, weird. It, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, like, a crooked referee maybe just does things because <laughs> he, he enjoys it, but yeah. it was weird. But um, I actually do remember that match. It was a time where they were hot-shotting, because I, when I looked it up, I noticed I was looking at all the title changes around that time. They were hot-shotting the tag team belts all over the place, like... Uh, there was like three changes on house shows in the couple weeks leading up to that match. So it seemed like they were doing a thing where like at house shows, we just changed the tag team belts. And then as long as it's back in the normal guy by Nitro, like no one's the yeah. wiser who cares. Mm -hmm. It says in my notes from that uh, right after they got the pinfall victory, they started playing Harlem Heat's music. <laughs> That's right. I remember that. And then Tony Schiavone. Maybe it was a true mistake. And Tony Schiavone announced there will be Public Enemy versus the Outsiders at Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. This is uh, this is like when um, when Marissa Tomei won the Oscar uh, allegedly because Jack Palance read the wrong name. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> is that from my cousin Vinny? Yeah. 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 She won the Oscar, and who knows if it's true? I, I doubt it's true. But the long rumor has been that Jack Palance just read the wrong name. Mm -hmm. Although we saw at the Oscars what two years ago when they did read the wrong Best Picture winner, uh, and then they they had to like correct it. it. Yeah. That was God. That was funny. That was wild. That guy was so. I mean, of course he was mad. I'd be mad too. Uh, and I've always thought, like, if you're the Best Picture winner, why wouldn't you go up there and just be like, hey, could we share this? Like, <laughs> let's just round of applause it, because what is the Academy going to do? They're not going to go heal. Yeah, like, right. if you've got all the most famous people in the world applauding sharing it, mm -hmm. they're just going to have to share it. <laughs> right. It would have been such an easy way to babyface yourself, but... Did, like, La La Land win at that year? Lala, I think La La Land won, but Moonlight was mistakenly announced Yeah, that's winner, right, yeah. As I recall. I don't know any of this stuff, so I'm, I'm just kind of <laughs> nodding yeah. no, over I here. That. <laughs> well, one thing uh, you do know about 
is Harlem Heat versus the Steiner Brothers. That's what because I do. you're going to call that match yes. for us. And it starts. Ding, ding. In 10 minutes. <laughs> no. <laughs> in, ten, in 10 minutes. We're going to talk about the Cabby Awards for a bit more. Hey, can I mention something? It, no. You, you can nope. No, I'm just going. <laughs> oh, of course. It, if I'm stepping on your toes here, you can just cut all this. But uh-huh. I noticed Booker T gives us a "Can you dig it?" as he's coming out, and Harlem Heat's promo comes out. That's the first time I remember him saying that. I thought that was cool. I, I most of the time, because um, I'm watching, I like the the video I'm watching are like these VHS rips. That I, I'll just say I got them transfers. On, I'll know? just uh, say I got them off the internet, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Saw a man about a about match. A, about a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, it's kind of for it's hard to understand what people are saying like right to the camera. But I don't most of the time I'm not really paying attention to what Harlem Heat is like shouting because they they get really shouty. I love Booker T just screaming at the cameraman on his way down to the ring every time. <laughs> right, it's awesome. <laughs> so I mean I don't know if that it could be the first time he said that, but I just don't know for sure. I haven't seen it before. It's new to me. No, well, fair enough. <laughs> so the bell rings, and we get the ideal matchup to start as Booker T squares off against Scott Steiner. I also want to mention I like the little tassels that Scott has on his boots. He has like these little short boots and these little tiny tassels. It's really nice. <laughs> so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> I also just like Scott Steiner's like he's just wearing like a heel outfit now. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Ever since he came back from that uh, hip injury, he's been. His new gear is very healing. Yeah, it's it's all black, and he has the 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 quote unquote diamond studded like uh, weightlifting belt on. Yeah, it's like something to support his hips, I think, so that uh, yeah, he he can move a little better. It's a it's a cool look, especially yeah. in, in comparison to his brother Rick, who's wearing like the same thing for like ten years. Meanwhile, Rick Steiner's looking like wallpaper from a Saved by the Bell episode. <laughs> right. Uh, Rick Steiner is definitely getting his gear at Dan Flash's. Oh, I don't know that. Damn it. Oh, <laughs> uh, you guys got to watch I Think You Should Leave. Oh, I'm Somewhere there's podcast listeners laughing at this. <laughs> no, no, no. Cut that part out. <laughs> no, no. That's a good joke. You're just going to have to take my word for Someone's it. Someone's at work now going, oh. I'm showing you guys Dan flashes before you leave this house. Today. Okay. All right. So Booker T makes a mistake of trying to match up against the power of Scott. So he rakes him the eyes, kips up, and hits Steiner with a sidekick. But Scott counters again and using his power, just press slamming Booker T with complete ease. As Booker heads to the floor, Stevie Ray attempts to attack Scott, only to get flattened by Rick Steiner. After Harlem Heat recover at ringside, we get Stevie Ray versus Rick Steiner, which was unavoidable. It was going to happen. So we just got to. Got to get through it. I got another Shivani uh, quote here when Stevie Ray comes in. Uh, this is where the great talent is. This is where the great wrestlers are. <laughs> Stevie Ray's in the ring. <laughs> Stevie Ray uh, lays into Rick and, in fact, waylays him to the point in which Rick's wrestling headgear snaps and falls off. And it's just always jarring to see him without his headgear yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, you have this ability that I don't have to recognize athletes when they're not in their jerseys. Like oh you, yeah, I just yeah. know you're like you know we'll be or you would walk through the skyway and see a timber a timberwolf's probably a bad example because they're eight feet tall you yeah figured out right but like I never know who or we we went to the state fair once I think we saw some Vikings and you were like no knew who they were oh sure I cannot imagine doing that like, yeah if they're not wearing the helmet and all the stuff I've got no chance yeah I mean there's I mean if Rick Steiner was wearing regular clothes and not the headgear yeah there's a good chance I would have no idea <laughs> right and in fact. Almost immediately after, Rick tags in Scott to give himself the opportunity to like uh, put his headgear back on yeah. because then he just like tags back in. 
So Scott applies a reverse chin lock and then shouts at at Sherry that he's going to break his neck. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, again, is supposed to be a baby face. (laughs) But he just seems like a dark and violent man now. (laughs) Uh, So Rick is back in, but Stevie jumps all over him, then tags in Booker T, who hits, you know, his great like jumping sidekick in which he just flies across mm-hmm. the ring to hit it, uh, but only gets a two count for that. Rick Steiner slams Booker T and makes a hot tag to Scott, who has clotheslines prepared for both men and sends Stevie Ray over the top He's rope. Got him. He was doing a lot of prep. Yes. He was getting those arms ready. <laughs> right? He's like, the left one's for Booker. Pumping right's them up. For Stevie. <laughs> Adjusting for wind speed. <laughs> right. And he clotheslines Stevie over over the top rope. I was waiting to hear if it was going to be one of those like momentum things. It's not a disqualification, but the announcers don't even oh, bother. God. I forgot about that completely. Yeah, it, it comes up occasionally, and actually will come up later on. That is like a relic of like the Jim Hurd era, isn't it? Yeah, it's just they never quite got rid of it. Um, yeah, that's but it's so very weird. selectively used. Yeah, yeah. It, though usually it's like a storyline sort of thing, or they're like. Or Kevin Sullivan's just like, I'm just going to get disqualified right away. <laughs> right. Uh, so Scott hits Booker T with a double unhooked slam as both announcers incorrectly guess that Stevie Ray is the legal man. <laughs> he is not the legal man. <laughs> the cover is broken up by Stevie Ray, and seconds later, the faces of fear of public enemy hit the ring, presumably making this match a no contest. And at some point, Rick Steiner lost his headgear a second time. Because I was, he tried to put it back on, but I think it was broken at that point. <laughs> I think so too. Um, but also, like once they stood up, you could see Public Enemies wearing like their um, like their ring jerseys, mm-hmm. and then just like jeans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, it's kind of a weird look. I was trying to figure out like who who looks more like dads at that point is a Public Enemy or the Faces of Fear? Because the Faces of Fear have mm-hmm. the nitro thing, the shirts, but they're tucked into their jeans. Yeah. I would certainly prefer the faces of fear to be my dad. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Between those two, right? Yeah, I mean, hey, those. Ooh, that was dark, but I—they're both still alive. <laughs> is all I was gonna <laughs> say. It's just, I, I mean, that's a—it's a fair point. I was like, yeah. ooh, I, I don't know about that one. Speaking of, uh, I heard a good Zabisco line in this match. Uh, you want to avoid any position where you might get hugged by the Steiners. So, <laughs> not who you want for your dads either, right? So, I mean, I don't really know what they're – because that, that's four teams. I don't know yeah. exactly what they're trying to set up here. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure at the pay-per-view it's going to be a three-way match, and I don't remember which one's uh, hmm. out of the equation. Yeah. But it, it does seem like they're trying to um, get, like, the next contender for the tag team titles set up. Right. Um, the Outsiders originally won the titles in a three-way dance, didn't they? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. They beat like Harlem Heat and the Nasty Boys? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but what was I? Oh, yeah, then and then once the, the Faces of Fear and Public Enemy, they fight each other and they, they just leave. And the other two teams in the ring are kind of like, they're almost like confused yeah. by like the ending. Yeah. Or like, well, they're gone now. Could we keep doing the match? <laughs> right. He's like, no. And yeah. They're gamers. They want to keep going. <laughs> right. I uh, have spoken very highly of Rocco Rock. Uh, on this podcast, but yeah. his selling when they're fighting on the outside was just terrible. He yeah. was he was phoning. He was like three miles away. I don't mm. know if he was high, no offense or whatever to his memory, but it was awful. It was I, the camera was like right on him, so he was the focal point. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, man, I was. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I don't think Public Enemy in general were really good at like selling in particular. Right. I think they're yeah. more like offensive, offensively minded. 
<laughs> not big fans of selling. <laughs> nope. They're just not big fans of selling. We go to break as Nitro prepares for hour number two, which is underway when we return. Um, do we have any comments about that actual match? No. No, we didn't. Uh, I'll, I'll say I think the Steiner brothers are like the best tag team ever. I think it's like by a lot. I feel, um, And I've, I wish this match was long. Yeah. Because Harlem Heat's probably in ring, probably like the second best tag team in WCW at this point. Yeah, I know we, John and I talked about this before. Like anytime I talk about or think about the best tag teams of all time, I yeah. kind of come back to the Steiners as maybe the number one. I'd certainly think you could make a, a reasonable argument. Like no one is going to hear that and say yeah. that's ridiculous mm-hmm. for sure. Um, they are really stacked in the tag team division, and it's too bad that it doesn't feel like they're ever quite a focus. Like you can get some yeah. really good because they've got so many good hosses in that. You mm-hmm. know, they've got some just guys that can throw each other around. Mm-hmm. I love the Faces of Fear. I love Harlem Heat. I love the Steiners. Uh, and was, the Outsiders are just a great act, you yeah. know. Um, it was really too bad when they broke up Fire and Ice because Fire and Ice was really great. Like, I, I think last year we had them against the Steiners, yep. and they were just throwing each other around. Yeah, it was yeah like, dropping each other on their heads. It's just the yeah. best. Yeah. It was. It, I think that started in Nitro too, and it was just fucking so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and when you had a lot of those guys, and there was a brief period where they overlapped with um, Road Warriors. Yes, with right? the Road Warriors yeah. mm-hmm. being around too, yeah. and that was it. Was really fun. I kind of wish the Road Warriors had never left. Because mm-hmm. they'd fit in really well with some of these teams still, I think. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, watching them try to no-sell for Hall and Nash with all the influence that Hall and Nash have oh, in sure. the company, that would have been some very interesting political yeah. <laughs> situations. Yeah. But I think what kind of the point you're making is that there are so many good tag teams in WCW at this point, but you don't really feel like they have any direction other than right. who's currently the contenders against the champions. And it doesn't help that... Um, they, you know, people kind of say like Russo did all this Shades of Grey stuff with heels and faces, mm-hmm. or even you know um, Vince kind of makes that speech in the Attitude Era about it. But yeah, WCW really does that too. Harlem Heat week to week can be either one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're usually heels. Yeah, sometimes they're faces. Yeah, Public Enemy is the opposite. Usually they're faces. Sometimes they're very clearly heels like Mm -hmm. somebody told them tonight your heels and it doesn't matter there's no turn right there's no reason you'll just wrestle his heels tonight and then next week you'll be faces again Mm -hmm. there's no rhyme or reason to it and it overall ends up really hurting the division because the crowd just does not know what you want them to do yeah yeah but i mean it does it seems like they could have a bit more of a focus on these other tag team even if they're not going for the championships right at that point you could set up more decent, like longer term feuds like Harlem Heat and the Steiners could just have more matches with each other. Or a number one contenders match. Yeah. At Super Brawl. Right. Mm-hmm. So then you have a future title match to build to like right. two months later or whatever. I do think they WCW does not do enough number one contenders matches. Right. Uh, in general mm-hmm. for all their divisions. Uh, now, can I move along, Dave? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> We go to break as Nitro prepares for hour number two, and when we return, we get the commensurate Pyro, and Tony welcomes Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mike Tanay to the booth. They recap Hogan's promo calling out Piper. Uh, They hype Piper's return to Nitro sometime in the next hour. Uh, The capacity crowd chants Weasel. It's like they always get that Weasel chant going. It's People love doing that one. Isn't it wild how over the announcer... Because, like, Bobby Heenan... For a live crowd, they never hear anything. Right. He doesn't cut promos. He's <laughs> yeah. not a manager anymore. And like Larry's at Bisco was over too, mm-hmm. even though 
Um, at this point, he wasn't doing anything really as like a TV character. It, yeah. It's just crazy how hot the whole company was. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean Heenan, but my notes say Herman <laughs> demands Old that WCW. Bobby Herman. <laughs> <laughs> he demands WCW start arming themselves with pipes, uh, which is a good point. Like, mm-hmm. you constantly are getting attacked with weapons. Maybe you guys should start having weapons. Right. It was kind of weird because I, I feel like he was talking about the WCW locker room. Yeah. But it also sounded like he was talking about, like, himself sure with like just underneath the table has like a bat or something like that i would remember no go ahead it would just be very funny if one of these times where like some guys get close to the booth and he does the bit where he says he's like gonna run away Uh even said he just whipped out a gun no (laughs) well i remember in the early nwo days like when at the end of every episode they'd come and mess up the commentator's desk and all that i remember they eventually gave him armed guards up at the commentary table i thought that was actually kind of cool yes i I agree i mean Anyway, uh, Mike Penis's very cool Western theme plays and outwalks the mean one. Oh, can I also? Yes. Another Shivani comment here. A uh, lot of great action coming up here tonight as Mike Enos walks to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is going to be taking on Dean Malenko in what I have to assume is a non-title match because I don't believe Mike <laughs> right. Penis is a cruiserweight. Yeah. Uh, Enos muscles Malenko around early, but Malenko's chain wrestling soon gives him the edge. Uh, and some measure of control over the bigger man. Enos fakes a test of strength and kicks Dean and keeps the cruiserweight champion in a side headlock for a bit. Malenko finally escapes, but is on the wrong end of a shoulder tackle and then gets caught trying for a crossbody and winds up planted by an Enos body slam. Penis tries for a standing elbow drop, but Malenko dodges and then tries a backslide, but he can't overpower Penis, so instead he goes for a fireman's carry takeover into a hammerlock. Bobby and Tony mostly want to talk about the Hogan-Piper stuff, with Bobby saying that Piper has to prove that he's still Roddy Piper the fighter and not just some Hollywood actor in a skirt. <laughs> uh, he also, I, I, I love Bobby. There's no doubt that he's amazing, one of the best. Mm-hmm. But then his pull for a famous uh, actress he can mention in a skirt is Zsa, Zsa Gabor. Yeah. <laughs> like, he is, he is maybe getting a bit old for this or should just maybe not work pop culture references yeah. maybe not. into his material i mean i i saw that um because i looked up jaja gabor at yeah. that point and it's like her birthday was coming up so maybe it just like popped in his mind yeah but she was turning 80 he was going to her 80th birthday party the next week right maybe. yeah looking forward <laughs> to seeing her in the short skirt oh i have another good heat in line from early in the match uh mike enos has come a long way and is a future star in wcw uh oh seven and one on tv in wcw <laughs> can you guys name the one the draw uh steve doll uh yeah, maybe that. Yeah, the whatever Scott Hall match. Yeah, yeah or yeah. whatever match Scott Hall interrupted. Yep, Steve yep. Dahl and Mike Enos. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember that they were having a pretty good match too. <laughs> yeah, it actually. Yeah, I, thought <laughs> right. both those I remember they were having a match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Enos uses his power to avoid a backslide. Malenko turns into a hammerlock. I think I said that already, but uh, he makes a pin attempt with the hammerlock. He keeps it locked on as Enos gets to his knees and eventually his feet. Uh, in a cool moment, Enos hits a scoop slam on Malenko, but Malenko keeps the hammerlock applied and rolls through. Mm-hmm. So he ends up on top of Enos with the hammerlock still applied. The announcers just completely ignore it. Yeah. They are uh, in full classic WCW fashion, just talking about the NWO and uh-huh. Hogan and all that. Oh, I have another good Heenan line from around here. He said, sorry, you might have already mentioned part of this one. It says, if Piper comes back to wrestling, becomes a world champion. He'd be the biggest movie star in the world. Then followed by something under his breath that was like, John Wayne never did that. 
(laughs) 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 Dean gives up on the hammerlock and starts kicking Enos in the shoulder instead. Penis has no problem selling for the smaller Malenko, uh, which I thought was cool. Like, you know, he he he's a big guy. He's always sneering and stuff. But like when you get him in there, he'll he'll do jobs. He'll work. Yeah, he he has no problem. He knows his place. Mm hmm. Malenko hits a drop toe hold, but Enos dodges a standing elbow drop. A power slam gets Enos a two count as Six makes his way to ringside. Six grabs the cruiserweight title and vamooses. Uh, Penis is in control, so Dean does not notice the theft for several minutes. Mm -hmm. After some back and forth, Malenko stops a back body drop with a kick to the gut. He tries a second kick to the gut, uh, which he misses by like a foot. Enos sells it anyway, which whatever, no big deal. But then Shivani says, oh, Dean missed with that kick. Whoops. And it's like, well, I just saw the guy sell for it. So maybe <laughs> maybe we don't point it out, my uh, Tony. Right. <laughs> By the way, how fun is it uh, now that I am back to watching wrestling, uh, specifically AEW? How fun is it to hear Shivani uh, on like weekly new TV and then go back and watch him on Nitro? It's it's a treat. I love it. He's one of the best things in AEW. Absolutely. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- it, especially well probably since the last time you guys even recorded but certainly since the last time i was on shivani's gone from like total obscurity like i think he was calling like minor league baseball games mm-hmm. or something like yep. that um and then he was briefly a meme lord like right before aew hired like he was doing goofy things on cameo and stuff like that he was for a long time blocking anyone that mentioned wrestling like when he mm, came weird. back he he went through a big unblocking phase oh yeah <laughs> nice I think it's awesome that he's back, and I think his commentary is way better now. I think he's, or it's better now anyway. I thought he was mostly bad on this show. And he and he sounds especially good when you compare him to like Jim Ross. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. I've actually been kind of wondering uh, because I've been watching both Nitro and the NWA TNA. I've been wondering a little bit about how Tanae would fit in there if you took out Jr. and put in Tanae. I'm sure. I mean, there's lots of like the international flavor in AEW, and he was always good at being like, you bring him in to bring in the extra information. And I think he's not very good at where NWA TNA uses him, which is as the primary play-by-play guy, because when he's putting over angles, he's got like there's an inauthenticity to him. He's Mm -hmm. just not a good enough actor to sell you that this is a sport. Mm -hmm. But when he's only doing analysis and color yeah it's much less important and when he just talks about angles and former rivalries in japan and all this Mm -hmm. that's not acting he's talking about real things so he sounds more convincing yeah Mm -hmm. um so i really think in the jr type role where you've got excalibur doing the play-by-play and then uh shivani i really think tanae would just be a much more fun fit for me Mm -hmm. because i i just do not enjoy jr's commentary anymore no he is he's should not be on a weekly TV show anymore. Maybe drag him out for some pay-per-view events or like the sit-down interviews that he's always been really good at. Yeah. Uh, but it's unfortunate, I think, that they stick with him. I think it's just a case of like, that's who Tony Khan grew up with. He loves mm-hmm. him and, you know, he's he's sticking yeah. by his man. Or I, think, I think it was more Cody. Oh, that that very well could be. Yeah. Well, but, and, and, yeah, and JR was part, was part of a four-man booth on... Was it Rampage on Friday? Yes. Yeah, I don't know if that's what they're normally going to do, but he is definitely he doesn't bring any value in a four man. No, he's not sure. normally. Um, he was on there because I think Jericho was not on that Rampage. It's normally oh, okay. Jericho, Excalibur, Big Show, and Mark Henry Jesus. is the insane Rampage four man yeah. booth. 
Yeah. I mean, and so it's like they they took out one guy that was terrible, which was Jericho. Yeah. And they put in someone else that's terrible as JR. Yeah. It's wild how differently terrible they are. They're terrible in they're, such <laughs> They're different way. flavors of terrible. <laughs> Jericho, to me, is bad the same way that Tanay is bad in TNA, where I think a lot of the, like his commentary is very canned. It mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't feel authentic at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, back to Dean Malenko versus ba- back to Mike Dean Enos. Mike Enos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Dean reverses a vertical suplex into a small package. Uh, Heenan hopes. Oh, I should say a small package for three. I don't think I bothered to note who was the winner. There. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, a small package for three. Dean gets the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, the match was fine. I kind of thought it was surprisingly boring, given that I am a, a not to the level of like Ice Train, but I'm a little bit of a Mike Penis defender. Yeah. He's got some good power moves. He's got a great fall away slam that we didn't even see in this match. Um, Didn't you go through a phase on Twitter where you were posting like him in New Japan and stuff? (laughs) Yeah. It's like he had a tap potential. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying of Minnesota's own. So I got to defend him. Right. Um, But yeah, it was it was a surprisingly boring match given the men Mm. involved. I thought I also like the when when six came and stole the cruiserweight title. I was like. Well, fair enough. When he did that to the U.S. title, he got a U.S. title shot. Right. It worked for him. Yeah. Like, yeah. clearly, he's just going on to the next championship. And I really thought the ending was going to be Dean running out and getting counted out. So it was weird that Dean just never noticed. And it mm. almost felt like Six was taking his time with it to give Dean the chance to see it. Yeah. But he just, he made it all the way out and Dean never noticed. And then Tony said at some point, it was like, you know, if he would have noticed, he probably would have ran out right. after him and not mm. worried about the match. So maybe there was something where he was supposed to, but like Dean Malenko is just like a wrestling machine. He's focused <laughs> on the, on the match. He's too focused on Mike penis. Um, I, I, uh, I thought the match was also kind of nothing match. I, I'm not a big Mike Enos guy. Sorry to say, but um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm always happy to see Dean Malenko though. I love him. Yeah. No, it's really for the angle of six coming and grabbing the championship. Uh, he hopes that when Dean goes over to find friend of the show, uh, Nitro ring announcer Dave Penzer mm-hmm. no longer has the title on him that uh, Dean will beat him up a little bit. <laughs> Dean's right. like, I hope he slaps that Penzer around for losing that belt. You, if he doesn't think he did it, <laughs> no, he's just, like, just going to yeah. smack him around yeah, a bit. Just smack him around a bit. <laughs> right. Uh, Dean is informed by Mark Curtis about uh, the belt being stolen, and he just kind of like mills around the ring angrily. He still doesn't run out to yeah. like go find six. He just like kind of pouts in the ring, like, oh, my belt. It's this is it's just not like his wheelhouse. Yeah, that's true. Like to have like aggressive emotions, it's it's just not a Dean Malenko thing. Dino Machino, right? Him like looking around, I was like, that's kind of what I expect him to do. <laughs> and then he just like he just leaves. Yeah, <laughs> you know he doesn't because like another guy you would think would like go out after yeah. him and be like, oh, there's another wrestler running through the crowd, but no, he just like goes back to the locker room. He's like, I'll probably find him later. Afterward, we check in with Lee Marshall, who is uh, doing his road report from Jacksonville, Florida this week. Mm. He's at a Nitro party that has moved from one beach to another. I don't know what the (laughs) AV setup is at these beaches that are allowing them to watch Nitro. Right. Uh, And he's going to leave the beach, the roving beach Nitro party, to go to one that's at uh, some college later. Right. So he's got quite a busy night of Nitro parties down there in Florida. Uh, it's the day after Groundhog's Day, so Lee, of course, makes a joke about it being Ground Weasel Day when Puxatawney Bobby sticks his head out of his condo and sees his shadow, signaling six more weeks of bad taste. Oh. Wow. 
Uh, it's not a bad bit, but Tanay pretends to find it hilarious. He cackles with delight <laughs> as if this is the funniest yeah. thing he's ever heard. I think Bobby just says, like, oh, I hate that guy. Yeah, he, yeah something <laughs> like that. Uh, mean Gene is in the aisle with Kevin Sullivan, Jimmy Hart, Conan, and Jacqueline. All right, Tony Lee Marshall, I hope you're having a great time at a great city, Jacksonville, Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, and uh, Tony, Bobby, Mike uh, at the broadcast table, we try to put things in perspective here. One month into 1997, you take a look at the turmoil created by the NWO. We just saw it moments ago. Of course, the four horsemen are back together again. And then out of left field, last week from the Dungeon of Doom, Jimmy Hart, Conan, this young lady, I understand her handle is Miss Jacqueline, and Kevin Sullivan, you, you got to know I don't wear blindfold because this thing has been going on between you and this young lady apparently for quite some time. I understand it goes back 10 years, and who knows what happened 10 years ago behind closed doors. You know, I thought we were going to move into this spot because the horsemen were unraveling. But I'm the leader, and I let my personal life unravel in front of me. Well, when I was crumbling and when I was whining, I forgot where my strength really lied. You know, she was there 10 years ago. And just because it's hard on me, I'm gonna make it hard on everybody else. You see, before the dawn, the darkness comes and she's always been the light in my tunnel. I bet she has. Yes, Jimmy Hart. Taskmaster, you know that women in professional wrestling are nothing but trouble. And I hate women in professional wrestling. And as you can see, I think she's here for another reason. And I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Sometimes I think you hate women, Jimmy Hart. Conan, your thoughts on this? What a levato loco. That's a fine ruka you have there. Uh, a ruka? But we need to take care of business. Forget about trivial matters. We need to destroy the four horsemen, D.O.D. style. So I'm gonna ask you for a favor, Taskmaster. You got some unfinished business, that punk Chris Benoit. Let me take care of that unfinished business so you got more time with this unfinished business. Speaking, a dungeon. Speaking of unfinished business, is it, is it Jacqueline? You don't have to do this on television, lady. Listen up. Unlike Deborah McMichaels, I didn't have to go through plastic surgery to get a body like this. I went to the gym and worked long and hard for this body. It's all natural. Well, in all due respect, we don't know anything about Deborah McMichaels, but yes. And Nancy, you just jealous of me because I took Kevin away from you. Honey, get over it. Please get over it and go on with your life. See, while you were doing all that traveling, I was with Kevin Sullivan. Seems like you're still with him there, sweetheart. Well, let me tell you something, Benoit. This isn't going to end tonight. I can guarantee you this. And oh, one more thing, Flair. I heard when you said, Nancy wore your arm out. I'm sure that was true, because everything else with you is either dead or doesn't work. Oh, uh, my goodness. Typical case here of cryogenics. Uh, yes, you were going to say something, Jacqueline. And Nancy, if you stick your nose in my business, I'm going to beat you like you stole something. Ha! What's with the belt? 
Don't you worry about it, Gene. Yeah, Gene. Well, my idea of a belt and her idea, Nelson Rockefeller should have been here for this one. Tony, Larry, I don't know what your take is on this, but Brain, certainly you've got something to say about it. Uh, Gene asks, I've, what? I've long mentioned. What a fucking lineup of an interview. Yeah. <laughs> if there's one where I'm like, I'm yeah. skipping this. <laughs> Cause like who who would is Jimmy Hart the best out of those four? Easily, easily. Yes, <laughs> I think a Focus Sullivan can be a decent promo, and sometimes he sounds like he's about to fall asleep in the middle of a sentence. Right, you never know what you're gonna get. I mean, if you had to depend on one of them to give a good promo, would it be Jacqueline or would it be Conan? Oh, between the two of them, yeah. Uh, at least Conan can yell in Spanish for half of it, and then I like it sounds convincing because I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> sure. <laughs> It's like how anytime you watch a subtitled movie, you're like, I think everyone's doing a good job acting. <laughs> He's got, there's emotion there. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the right emotion. <laughs> uh, I always talk about how half of Gene's questions are not questions. They are just bizarre statements. Mm -hmm. uh, so I actually, this one I found especially egregious. So I actually wrote this down word for word. Okay. And I realized that the thing that makes Gene great is just the voice and the poise. Yeah. And I think the bald, like just his whole demeanor. Mm -hmm. But if you actually listen to what he's saying, it half the time is insanity. So here is his quote unquote so, question. So you're saying the guy that constantly interviews Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's yes. all about the cadence. It's yes. not about the content. Right. Here, Here's his question. Ladies and gentlemen, and Tony, Bobby, Mike at the broadcast table, we try to put things in perspective here. One month into 1997, you take a look at the turmoil caused by the NWO, of course, the horsemen are back together and Jimmy Hart, Conan, this young lady, I understand her handle is Ms. Jacqueline, yeah. and Kevin Sullivan, you gotta know that I don't wear a blindfold, because this thing has been going on with this young lady, apparently, for quite some time. I understand it goes back ten years, and who knows what went on ten years ago behind closed doors. What? <laughs> what is he asking him? <laughs> he's, not, he's not asking anything. What is any of that? <laughs> one month into 1997... That's the thing he says. It has nothing to do with anything right. that he ends up asking about. Uh -huh. It's like all Gene does is prompt you to like talk about whatever you want to talk mm -hmm. about. You yeah. could just he could just come up with a mic and be like Ric Flair and then just point the mic at Ric Flair. Right. But he has that amazing broadcaster voice so that until you actually write it down and look at it, mm -hmm. it just doesn't matter what he's saying. Right. But if you're doing something like a podcast and you're sitting there typing notes, you're like. Wait a minute! What the hell did that guy just say? Uh, why? Why does he phrase it like I believe her handle is Miss Jacqueline? Yeah. Why not just say she's Miss Jacqueline? <laughs> yeah, they've said that like four times on the show tonight already. Right. But he's just getting word, and he's unsure if it's even correct. Or, is this or he's her like first appearance. It's her second appearance, but she was not referred to by name in the first one. Yeah. Okay. She was, was she on last week's episode? Yeah, she came out and confronted woman. Uh, and it was just vaguely alluded that she's some woman from Sullivan's past. Yeah. A lot of, like, mysterious lady, unknown yeah. person sort of thing. They just completely avoided calling her anything. I remember we we mentioned how weird of a choice it was because they had never had, like, a character that you hadn't seen whose name you knew. So it's not like when they revealed, like, this is Jacqueline, you'd be like, oh, that's the Jacqueline they're always talking about. <laughs> right. So it made no sense that they didn't give her a name right away because yeah. it's not like it was a reveal. Mm -hmm. it, it was a really weird choice. Sullivan says that he let his personal life get in the way of business, preventing the Dungeon of Doom from supplanting the horsemen atop the WCW. He says Jacqueline was there for him 10 years ago, and because his life is hard, 
he's going to make it hard on everyone else. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I like the the competitions between them and the horsemen. Like the NWO is not a right, actor. right. Uh, you kind of have to read between the lines. Basically, what he's saying is he used to have an affair with Jacqueline, uh, but that was like a long time ago. And now that woman is cheating on him with Benoit, he's brought her back to start sleeping with her again. That's like what no one will just say. Right. But what they try to allude to. And sometimes without a script, when like, especially when Sullivan tries to like allude to things, uh-huh. he's too obtuse with it. And you don't, you wind up not knowing what he's talking about. Well, like he'll sometimes say like, he'll tell Gene, like he knows what he means. Right. And since Gene's just like off in whatever world he's in, he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> and he's like this, he's a taskmaster. Was that, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's got this like Boston accent or something. Yeah, yeah, It yeah. takes a lot of the mystique away, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, there's not a lot of convincing Satanists from Boston, I don't yeah. feel like. <laughs> Jimmy Hart says uh, that he feels like uh, women in professional wrestling are nothing but trouble. And in fact, he hates women in professional <laughs> wrestling. It's very it's aggressive. His exact choice right. of words. I know where he stands now on women in wrestling. Yeah. Uh, I think Gene subtly makes a gay joke saying, like, I think you just hate women. Oh. Mm. I, I think that's sort of what he was trying to <laughs> allude to. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe he was just calling him a misogynist, but I think Gene's uh, implication was something else. I, I think in the 90s, that would also be true. Right. Most of the time, there's the... Some of the gay... Because, like, Sting made a gay joke, remember, about mm-hmm. Regal back in the day? Yep. Uh, Conan speaks some Spanish, then says the Dungeon of Doom need to destroy the horsemen D.O.D. style. Uh, Conan wants to finish off Benoit so that Sullivan has plenty of time to fuck Jacqueline. <laughs> Did he actually say that? No, but it was very clear that's what he meant. <laughs> Jacqueline says this is this is good. Jacqueline says that unlike Deborah, she didn't have plastic surgery. She declares that her body is all natural, and if I'm Deborah's lawyer, I would like to raise an objection. <laughs> right. <laughs> Call my bluff. <laughs> She says when woman was traveling, uh, she was always with Kevin. So they kind of do that thing like, you were on the road and I was with your husband. Right. But Kevin was on the road with woman. She was his valet. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) You never had time for Kevin. Uh, Sullivan (laughs) says that Flair's dick doesn't work. And Jacqueline finishes off by saying she's going to beat Nancy like you stole something. (laughs) Which I I actually thought I like that. That's a good phrase. She says something about whipping her with a belt or something. Yeah. Um, and Mean Gene, mean Gene makes some kind of Nelson Rockefeller reference. Did I did not understand under- this. And notably, neither did Heenan. Because uh, Gene says, like, Nelson Rockefeller should be here or something. Yeah. Then he goes, he sends it back to the booth, but he specifically says, like, Bobby, take it away. And then Heenan says nothing. And Shivani goes, like, well, Heenan? And he's like... I'm just trying to figure out what he meant by that Rockefeller thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, Bobby's mystified <laughs> yeah. by what... Like, Gene's jokes are always very... Like, he's like Bobby's making references to things that are 80 years old. Yeah. But I am, like, absolutely clueless what this one could mean. Right. So I, I looked up Nelson Rockefeller. Yeah. Um, Do you know he was former vice president yes. under Gerald Ford? I, I didn't did. know that. Uh, He was also governor of New York from 1959 to 1973. Uh, I only found this out because I looked up Nelson Rockefeller belt because I thought it had something to do with the belt. Yeah. Um, the only reference I could find is he was the first governor to sign a seatbelt requirement law. Ah. That's kind of interesting. Maybe that was it. I don't know. 
I thought you were going to say that he was the first governor to wear a belt. Oh, yeah. no. There's no way that could be true. Or the you first governor to, to whip people with belts. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page makes his way to the ring. Uh, he's becoming a little more of a baby face in his entrance, at least. Uh, he, I kind of thought, at, I made my notes, you know, in, in order as I watch it. And at the point I put, because he was high-fiving fans. I'm like, oh, he's slowly becoming a baby face. As we'll see in the match, just no, he's he's actually still kind of doing both. He actually did the self high five to the fans. He oh, didn't high five me. High oh, I must have been like making what a my heel. notes. There yeah. we go. Okay, that makes more sense. And also, since I am watching this on these uh, VHS transfers, oh, so you're getting the real music. I'm getting the mm-hmm. real music, nice. and that was fake music. It was really nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, DDP will be facing off against the shockingly still employed the Renegade. Mm-hmm. I've got notes on the Renegade. Well, I hope you have plenty of notes, because here to call all the action of DDP versus the Renegade is our own John Amatorp. Oh, baby. Uh, so my first note uh, here is DDP gets an awesome pop. Um, three weeks earlier was the Nitro where the NWO offered him a spot, and he gave Scott Hall the diamond cutter, oh, mm-hmm. so which good. I thought was him like officially turning babyface, but a few weeks later, they still haven't totally pulled the trigger. Um, I noticed he had his like cigar thing from like back in like what was it 95 where he had that uh angle where he like went broke and was the benefactor yeah it stole kimberly's lot or bingo winnings or whatever i wish i could remember who the quote was from it's like somebody like a flair or somebody uh points out that like ddp just started with too many gimmicks he had like the cigar he had the woman he had the vest he had max like muscle. he had max muscle yeah and like slowly as he gets more confident and more over they like start each of those parts of the gimmick slowly get put to the side because he just realizes i don't need them i can strip this down and just be me yep which is um, unfortunate because we could use more kimberly page on our team. <laughs> sure the booty babe the booty babe <laughs> wait 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 I'll take that back then. Because <laughs> that means you know who You know what out. that means. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I also noted Diamond Dallas Page had fireworks. I think this might be the first time in his career he I did. I think so, Particularly too, yeah. on Nitro. And I think that sets him apart from a lot of the other kind of upper mid-card or mid-carders. Sometimes I felt like the the fireworks are kind of random because, like, Ultimo Dragon had fireworks. Mm, sure. Um, and Steiner Brothers had fireworks. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Diamond Dallas Page gets a great pop on the way to the ring. Um appears to be a baby face or he's at least getting a baby face reaction, but he's still kind of acting like the kind of mid card heel thing. Also a pretty good reaction for the renegade. Also proving that this is a hot crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, renegade has zero singles wins in WCW since August, 1995. Wow. He won his first three matches in WCW and then never won another singles match. Spoiler on this show, by the way, um, <laughs> yeah, but it's still, like I, th- I still think it's one of the all-time low points is bringing in Renegade and having him beat Arn Anderson. Oh yeah, for the television and title. hyping him as the Ultimate Warrior, right. very obviously beforehand. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I took some notes on the Renegade. Just thought it would be kind of fun, or fun, fun? is definitely the wrong Uh-oh. word, but <laughs> no, I thought it'd be right. interesting. Just kind of kind of look at his career because it's so weird how how heavily they pushed him but how quickly they hit the eject button. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's a mistake that they, they like, cut their losses on it right away. Whereas, again, something like Glacier, he, he's around for quite a while. Um, so, Renegade beats Arn Anderson at his, in his debut match um, in June 95. 
then beats Paul Orndorff twice on TV and then never wins another singles match in WCW. I kind of wonder because he was brought in, um, like Hogan brought him in, implying it, would be, it was going to be the Ultimate Warrior. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if a part of it was the idea that the feud would eventually be Hogan would beat him and like <laughs> get his spiritual win against. I mean, without we'll, even we'll, have to work with the ultimate. Right, warrior. we'll eventually right. see that he manages that anyway. Yeah. Um. But I wonder if that was the idea, and then Hogan saw this guy work and was like, "That's not happening, brother." Yeah. <laughs> and that just derailed him, you know, from the get go. Mm-hmm. Plus, um, plus, I know, um, he doesn't get a lot of respect from the boys because he's a former, uh, as I believe it was Kevin Sullivan. I once heard him on a podcast. It was either him or Flair. Uh, referred to him as a former dick dancer. Yeah, he was oh, like a yeah. Chippendales yeah. dancer. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think maybe... Although, I think Bluff, Buff was, too. And, and But Buff is maybe a little more fun to be around. <laughs> like, Buff, you know, <laughs> the guys might not have respected Buff either, but, like, eh, this guy's fun at the parties. Yeah. Um, and he could wrestle a little bit, too. Like, yeah. the Renegade can't. Right, kind right. kind of difference. Yeah, and, and, and Buff's been, like, putting in his dues for a long time at this point, and the Renegade, I think, is just, like, a power plant. Yeah, I think so. Um, Do you guys remember who beat uh, the Renegade for the TV title in September of 95? That's the guy's facing. Diamond Dallas Page. Yep. Rematch that I don't think they mentioned on the air, but... Yeah, the big big comeback match. Uh Yep. Yep. Um, So he loses that title to DDP in September of 95. He's immediately such a jobber that in November he doesn't make it into the 60-man battle Oh, my God. Some of the guys who did make it. Big Train Bart, <laughs> Buddy Lee Parker. Fide- well, Buddy Lee Parker is a trainer. Like, they bring him in. That doesn't See the really little guy? Yeah, he's the leprechaun. Yeah, but, I mean, he, he doesn't wrestle, though, right? He's, like, he's, he's he come on for enhancement matches, yeah. but that's about it. He's yeah. not, like, a regular. Right. Um, he's no Big Train Bart, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang, Bart. Um, Fidel <laughs> Sierra, uh, James Earl Wright, not even the... The most famous James Earl. <laughs> uh, Jumpin' Joey Meggs, Mark Starr, Mike Winner, Pez Watley, Ricky Santana, and two super assassins. Uh, I will always remember Mike Winner as the guy who came out as Elvis uh, in an episode they did in Vegas. And oh, like Sullivan yeah. beat him up. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's the one thing I remember about him. But yeah. From September 95, TV champion to curtain jerker for Big Train Bart, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, as I said, uh, I think this is an example of WCW cutting their losses early. Um, and I'd also note that Renegade does not look good now either. Like He he at least had a good physique when he debuted. He's yeah. obviously, I think he's kind of short, especially compared to like the Warrior, who was mm. a little bit bigger. And I think towards the end of 95, they had the angle where um, Kevin Sullivan and Jimmy Hart scrubbed off his um, makeup. Yeah. And and just like just basically dehumanized him and he just like accepted it. Yeah. He, he never called got the any kind of revenge. Yeah, he went from that to like jobbing to Jim Powers on Saturday night mm-hmm. tapings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was that brief thing where there was sort of a loose you can even call it a faction, but a loose alliance of like the male stripper types where it was like right. Jim Powers, um, the tall guy with the long hair whose goddamn name I can't remember. I, I was trying to think of him, too. I was like, who's the guy that they always have around because he <sighs> likes to party? Damn it. He's got the, like, buckles on his uh, pants. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has the same kind of physique yeah, as Renegade. Yeah, it was Renegade. those guys and the Renegade and then, like, Alex Wright Is maybe. Joe Gomez, you're thinking? Yeah, yeah, Joe Gomez. Yeah, yeah, there we go. There was, like, a loose affiliation of, like, hot boys. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, for I a think, little bit. I think those 
there were like four of them that teamed up against the Horsemen yeah. in some 96 episode, yep. I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and it, they had that uh, little vignette on the beach. And yeah, then they're they all just, just standing around being handsome. They, they just and get murked by the yeah. four horsemen. <laughs> um, and I think that eight-man tag is the Renegade's previous or most recent appearance on Nitro. Oh, wow, sure. I defer sense. to you guys on that. But um, One other thing I thought was cool is um, commentary spends like the first match or so just putting over the diamond cutter, just yes. talking about how it's the move no one gets out of, and um, DDP is like really presented as like a hardworking guy who – is like pulling himself up by the bootstraps, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I mean, the, it's the real story of DDP that he started late and just works harder than everyone. Yeah. Uh, but they and they add like kayfabe elements to it. Like it's not just that he's working harder to be a better performer; it's that he's working harder to develop new variations of the deadly yeah. diamond cutter. They they yeah. Someone specifically at the beginning match says that like he's working on different ways to do yeah, the diamond yeah, cutter. Yeah, it's Tanae. Tanae says yeah. Okay. Um, but then right on cue there. Tony Schiavone uh, punctuates it by calling Diamond Dallas Page a low life. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, that's when I was like, oh, he's still a heel because yeah. like yeah. the baby face announcers are yeah, disgusted I, with it. I got to that point and I was like, what? And I actually went back and rewatched his entrance and all that. And that's where I saw he was doing the self-high gotcha. five stuff and all that. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, there's not a whole lot of like moves in this. Um, Diamond Dallas Page kind of starts out by getting some cheap shots in the corner. Renegade reverses an Irish whip, hits a clothesline, then hits like the china back spring or handspring back elbow yep. thing um and his actually looks a little bit better than the ultimate dragons which uh, was kind of weird <laughs> tonight it definitely yeah, does, and yeah. it looks better than any time china ever did it in um, my opinion i know anyway. we on a previous episode we talked about like how male wrestlers did that for a while but then once it seemed like the women wrestlers started using that as a more common thing that maybe male wrestlers were like, oh, no, now no, that's a woman's move. Yeah. And then they stopped using it. But, like, yeah, Ultimo Dragon like, did that all the time. Right. Then Bobby Heenan's putting over Diamond Dallas Page. I think, Dave, you mentioned this earlier. He says, uh, I actually quoted him, watch him now compared to six months ago. Now he's setting his opponents up to miss moves. Right on cue, Renegade climbs the ropes. Diamond Dallas Page flops onto the top rope, crotches him. Uh, then hits the diamond death cutter off the mm-hmm. top. Yeah. Uh, which looked awesome. Uh, their timing on it was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't stress how much cooler the diamond cutter is than the RKO because Diamond House Page uh, kind of gets him in a little more snug, uses two hands, and actually pulls on the guy mm-hmm. rather than getting by his head with one arm and just kind of jumping and landing at the same time as the guy. And depending on the other guy, just like going for it, going with it basically. Yeah, and, and Renegade here, to his credit, he takes like a, a belly flop bump off mm-hmm. the top rope. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looked awesome. Uh, got a huge pop from the crowd. Two-minute match, but I thought it put Diamond Dallas Page over huge, and he's obviously on a, a very steep upward trajectory at this point. Yeah, it seemed like... It was just something where we don't have something specific to do with Paige, but we want to remind you that he's a big deal. Uh, so we're going to just put him out here, put over the diamond cutter, remind you that he's great, and get in, get out. And it worked uh, as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean, just a match to have the diamond cutter be used in. And then the out- the outsiders, they showed oh, up. Yeah, after I, I've got yeah. some notes on yeah. that. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, something else I noted, uh, Tim, you've watched Community, right? Of course. Do you remember who Jeff Winger has chemistry with? Uh, Britta, am I right? Everybody. Uh, so in that sense, uh, Renegade is the reverse Jeff Winger. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> uh, may he rest in peace. Um, 
So the outsiders come out uh, on the ramp with their lead pipes. Uh, I don't know, Tim, if you want to take this over, you yeah. yeah. So Hall and Nash stand at the top of the ramp with their steel pipes. Uh, Hall bangs his on the steel WCW letters, which I, I liked. I thought it was, that was a cool it touch. It was very effective because it was, like, very loud. Uh, DDP stands in the ring looking nervous. Uh, this goes on for way too long. Yes. I'm thinking that uh, basically we Sting and Randy show up in the crowd, and I'm thinking they missed their cue a little bit. Sure. Uh, because it just went on way too long before they finally, like, eventually Hall and Nash start moving towards the ring because I think they're like, we got to do something. Like, <laughs> we're <laughs> right, all just yeah. standing here like idiots. Yeah. Uh, we see Sting and Randy in the crowd. Uh, that gives the outsiders pause. DDP, I also think, is he's just getting tired of looking scared and is like, I got to do something so I don't look like yeah. a chump. Yeah. So he goes and grabs a chair. Uh, and waits in the ring, and everyone has a little, nice little standoff, mm. uh, and eventually everyone just leaves. No yeah. one actually does anything, and everyone just walks off. I don't know why. I always just find it really funny whenever someone grabs one of the steel chairs that has the cushioning on it. Yeah. Because that was a, definitely a cushioned chair. Yeah, well, remember that chair, because it's important. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, Super Callow makes his way to the ring, followed by Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright. Uh, another good example of just a weird matchup. Right. Uh, and it's I love these things because like you're not getting this on pro. You're getting Alex Wright versus Super Kolo on the flagship program. Yeah. Uh, that is up against not only against Raw, but the first uh, two hour Raw uh, as well. So, oh, like, oh, wow. Okay. This is, they are they are they, absolutely comfortable. <laughs> I was about to say high, high confidence. Right now. Yeah. Right now. How about the commentary here? Shivani says this is a very important matchup. Tanay immediately corrects him. A very important matchup for both men. <laughs> <laughs> so now the crowd is aware of the stakes. <laughs> right. Uh, here to call all the action uh, uh, is our Alex Wright specialist, yes. Dave Amatorp. And I also mentioned that the announcers talk about WCW being the hottest ticket around. Um, while Super Callow and Alex Wright are exchanging pinfall, they're just ignoring this match. Just talking about like, isn't WCW great? Like people <laughs> want tickets. Um, so they exchange pinfall attempts until Das Wunderkind gets the advantage with the wrist lock. Um, they then block each other's drop kick attempts. And there's this funny moment where they just kind of stare at each other for a split second. Alex Wright goes for a jumping heel kick and Super Cal just eats it. <laughs> it's like, it's as obvious as possible, but he yeah. just eats it. Uh, Wright hits a couple of European uppercuts and a side suplex, then raises his arms in victory. He whips Kello into the corner and Super Kello tries to run up the turnbuckles, but slips and falls to the mat. Wright kicks him as you can tell the crowd's reacting to the fact that he fucked up. Uh, Wright hits some more European uppercuts and slaps on a headlock while Tony and Mike talk about the meaning behind Piper's Gaelic rantings back in December. So th <laughs> there's not a lot of focus. I like the juxtaposition yeah. of the first 30 seconds where they talk about how important the match is and then they spend five <laughs> straight minutes talking about Roddy Piper. Yeah. I'd like to uh, actually, I'd like to give a couple notes here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was watching this, uh, and at the time, my son, my nine-year-old son, and his 12-year-old friend from down the street were here, uh, and kind of apropos of nothing, he didn't even really do anything at the moment, but um, Elliot, the 12-year-old, the goes, that guy in the black really sucks. <laughs> Bummer. I remember really liking Super Callow. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Uh, so it's funny, because then a little bit later, I said, well, Des, what do you think about Super Callow? And my son goes, I like him. I like that he's bad, and it's kind of his thing. <laughs> it's kind of, his gimmick is that he's bad. I like that. It's like right. in a cartoon show, there's always a clumsy character. Right. <laughs> uh, so Super Colo escapes and finally manages to run up the corner, hitting right with a crossbody block without a pinfall attempt. 
then he hits a springboard arm tri- uh, arm drag that does not quite connect. As I make a note that Superclo is just like he's just not hitting his moves tonight. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's it, bad. That's kind of his thing. It's kind of his thing. <laughs> it was a bad match for a nine and a twelve year old to be exposed to. <laughs> also, I know that he has like that uh, like backwards hat that's like sewn onto mm-hmm. his mask. Yeah, but today it seems like he has like a beanie. Yeah, it's like it's not sewn on. Oh, I like, thought it was sewn on. It seemed it seemed like to me that he kept having to. Adjust oh, it back yeah, on. Yeah, I think there's part of it he's supposed to tuck into the back and then tie it or something oh, like that. that. Could be. Um, but yeah, he used to. I thought the top was supposed to look like kind of like a cabbie hat. It normally does. That's yeah, he's it. got variations on the theme. Yeah. Or or there's like some wear and tear, and he's trying to cover it up. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, right hits another jumping heel kick, then a belly to belly suplex for two. At this point, you get a good idea how much bigger Alex Wright is when he's giving him a belly-to-belly suplex because mm-hmm. he's like a foot taller than him. He makes Super Kolo look like regular Kolo. <laughs> That's There's the joke. Uh, Kolo dropkicks right out of the ring, then hits a plancha from the top from the top rope to the floor, or as Iron Mike called it, an acai block. Hmm. Which, I don't know. I don't know about that one. It's like Jim Ross calling the Rocks move a Greco-Roman throw. <laughs> nice. Uh, Kolo tries for a top rope move back into the ring, but right counters with a drop kick. So it's a, a flying nothing. Mm-hmm. I always, uh, I always love a flying nothing into a drop kick. Yes, though. that is one of my favorite counters. That this that's something too that in this era that timing I think was better than they do it now. Mm-hmm. Now I think they do they might even do it a little safer. But like for this, Alex Wright catches him like. In the jaw. Yeah. 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 He's like fully airborne with mm-hmm. the drop kick. It's not just like kind of jumping up and landing at the right time. Two of my favorite random spots that always typically look good and look like they are legitimately quite painful uh-huh. is the flying nothing into a drop kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also love two guys coming across the ropes and both doing cross bodies into each other. Oh, sure. Bouncing off each other like a. That is always the one where, like, you got to break out the Jim Ross car crash comment. Yeah. Because it <laughs> right. like, that yeah. looks like it hurts. Oh, yeah. it looks awful. Um, so, right then, drop kicks Kolo out of the ring, and Kolo falls back and he collides with the barricade and knocks a fan back into his seat. That fan is pissed. Yes. He's in the front row. He takes his eyes off of the action. Like, I, it, you have no right to be pissed that mm-hmm. the guy bumped into you. I thought mm-hmm. that guy was way out of line, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Kolo tries to get back into the ring and is drop kicked again, sending Kolo back into the barricade and knocking the same fan over a second time. <laughs> maybe okay, maybe that's when I noticed that he got right. Because uh, c- uh, I wrote the rest of the cr- crowd laughs their asses off over this, <laughs> and it's funny because that's when you moment you, the moment you could tell the fan is mad because he's yeah. shouting at Kolo. <laughs> he's very angry, and that immediately made it way funnier for me. <laughs> um, Wright launches himself over the top, and he has to like struggle to kind of hit Kolo mm-hmm. with a cross body block because Kolo is just too far back. Uh, back in the ring, Super Kolo hits a superplex for a two count. Um, he then goes to the top and misses a moonsault. And Alex Wright then hits a missile drop kick of his own and gets the pinfall victory. Um, I think the thing with Super Kolo, it's like it always seems like he's a crash test dummy in his yes. matches. He's mm-hmm. always throwing himself... And it's like offense or defense, it looks like he's going to get himself hurt. He at has all time. no regard for mm-hmm. his health or safety. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They don't seem to be really building Alex Wright towards anything right now. I don't know if this is just kind of like put these two in the ring. It should be pretty entertaining. Um, 
But the stuff with the fan was pretty funny. <laughs> that was good stuff. Yeah, I don't have a ton to say about the match. I had the boys in here. I was I was maybe a little distracted talking to them. So right. uh, I don't I don't no follow ups. There were some cool moves, but it wasn't anything. Yeah, that special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, it was fine, um, minus the botches. But um, Alex Wright doesn't seem to have direction, and like it seemed like the crowd was booing him at some points, mm-hmm. and he was kind of playing to that, but. He I, didn't wrestle like a heel, really. I don't think they really give the WCW doesn't give fans like a position to have on Alex Wright. Like, yeah, it's like here. Here's a good athlete. He'll yeah. do some great like flips and stuff like that. But there's not really like a direction or a character for Alex Wright at this point. Right, and it feels like he wins. I don't know, forty percent of his matches. Right, like he's not just a total loser. Yeah, he doesn't win enough to matter. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy. He's like very much just a guy. Yeah. And you're, I don't think you're supposed to have really any opinion on Super Colo. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, I don't. I don't mean this as it sounds, but I feel like the WCW attitude is like that's just one of the Mexicans. Yes, like yep. just throw a Mexican out there; they'll do some cool stuff, uh-huh. and then we'll get on to the stuff that matters. Right. That's the attitude of the promotion. Yep. yep. Uh, Conan comes out with Jimmy Hart for the aforementioned match against uh, Chris Benoit, who enters with Woman. Uh, I know that the Benoit Sullivan thing is still like a very active angle, but I cannot believe how long Horseman versus Dungeon of uh, Doom has been dragging on. Yeah. Because that started with like Brian Pillman, who has not been in this company for almost a year at this point. (laughs) Right. It is nuts how long this angle has been dragging and dragging and dragging. Yeah. It's surprising that the Dungeon of Doom even exists on the show anymore. Yes. Because they're... I mean, they're kind of jobbers because they don't ever really win any matches that matter, but yeah. they're, like, all over the show. And a few of the guys are just gone. Like, I think John Tenta might not even be with the company anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Max Payne or Max Muscle, whatever his name was, he's yeah. gone. Um, or at least not appearing anymore. Well, and, and, like, there was all, like, the like the vignettes and gimmicks and stuff like that with the Dungeon and Doom, but once yeah. the NWO show up and, like, it's more serious now. Like yeah. the dungeon of doom don't fit in WCW anymore. Right. People always point to Glacier as like this thing that didn't work because he came after the NWO transformed what the promotion was. Right. But like way worse than that are the silly gimmicks of the dungeon of doom. Yeah. Like once the NWO is your hot angle, mm-hmm. that group ceases to be in any way sensical. So it makes sense to turn it into like this, uh, love triangle thing, but like then just, quietly drop the dungeon of doom altogether and yeah. just focus on the love triangle. Yeah. And they seem, they kind of have like, we haven't seen the master in a long time. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. haven't, they haven't been back to that, that place that where the water's not hot. Right. In right. Some time. Uh, anyway, here to call all the action is our own Dave Amator. Yep. So Conan versus Chris Benoit. This could be great or they could be terrible. It all depends on Conan. <laughs> Uh, Conan drop kicks Benoit before the bell sounds, unloading with punches and kicks before trying to take a swipe at woman at ringside. Um, he a- and he actually hits that rolling clothesline of his without looking completely exhausted too. Mm-hmm. So he starts off pretty hot, and he has like a focus too. Like he keeps going back to taunt woman, um, and they even bring up this point where it's like they feel like Conan's like a bounty hunter for Mm -hmm. Kevin Sullivan trying to finish off this business. And I was like, well, that's an interesting um, aspect to it. So after taunting women some more, uh, Conan 
uh, pounds on Benoit in the corner and then drops him to the mat, wrenching his neck. And that's when I point out this whole bounty hunter thing. And as he ties Benoit into knots, the camera focuses on Conan and you could already see he's getting gassed. <laughs> he well, looks tired. In his defense, I'm pretty sure he has asthma. Just why he would only have like five minute long matches. I mean, that's true, mm-hmm. but also like m- maybe don't be a wrestler. <laughs> like, yeah, no, if you fair. have a condition where you get gas thirty seconds into a match, yeah. yeah. I, but hey, you know what? In his defense, he was like the Hulk Hogan of Mexico for years. Yeah. yeah so I clearly, I'm I'm wrong, admittedly. Yeah. Right. Did you know he won Most Popular Wrestler in the '91 Wrestling Observer? Yeah. Yeah. The guy That's was crazy. majorly yeah. over. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. He was a megastar. So yeah. so clearly, uh, you know, he he made it work for him, and and it, and it doesn't matter what I think on that. Yeah. Right. Um, Chris Benoit fights back. He basically like he grabs Conan and like just forces him onto the top turnbuckle. Right. This muscles him up there where he unleashes a round of chops. He then superplexes Conan, which is like, it's crazy because Super Kolo in the previous match did uh, a superplex that I, did, I forgot to mention looked kind of dangerous when he did it. But Prisma was, it's like amazing. Um, back on their feet and Conan gains the advantage hitting Benoit with a standing splash mountain, which Mike Tanay says is the Conan power drop. Uh, which in, and he does immediately immediately into a cover for two. Uh, Conan then goes for the Conan power drop a second time, but Benoit squirms out and hits a German suplex. As Benoit picks up Conan, Miss Jacqueline comes at to ringside, brandishing a leather belt, her sights on woman. <laughs> Benoit then just pitches Conan over the top rope and is disqualified. Yeah, in full view of the referee. <laughs> just, He's like, he sees, he sees Miss Jackley. He's like, fuck this bitch. <laughs> it was, that, it was Conan's the, tired anyway. Yeah. That was the most fuck it this match yeah. moment I think I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and he doesn't care because he's immediately punching Jimmy Hart yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Benoit confronts Miss Jacqueline, uh, taking, like he wrests the, uh, the belt away from her. Miss Jacqueline then looks under the ring and whatever she's supposed to grab under there is not where it needs to be. But there is a water bottle. <laughs> and she takes it and very angrily slams it to the ground. Jacqueline keeps looking. But, like, from our perspective, mm-hmm. you can see there's, like, nothing. Because there's, like, a light under there. Yeah. There's nothing under there. She right. just keeps looking. To his benefit, Conan realizes, like, we have to, like, we can't let her right. keep doing this. So he basically grabs her and, like, goes to the back. Um it, it was just unfortunate for her. Like there's, there was yeah. supposed to be something there, but there wasn't. And she didn't really have like the improv skills to know what to do instead. So do you remember a few minutes ago when I told you that that chair DDP had was going to be important? Oh, was that from under the ring? That was so DDP got that chair from under the ring. Oh, uh, I don't know if he knew it was there because like I said, it oh. seemed like he decided I'm standing in the ring looking scared too long. Mm-hmm. I, my, this like would hurt my character to be scared for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so right. he gets a chair. I don't know if it's him or whoever else, but someone does not put that chair back where it is supposed to go. Okay. And so when Jacqueline goes looking for that chair, there's nothing to be found. And right. she is hung out to dry. Yeah. DDP just burying her. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I was going to say, because, I mean, obviously there's like this big thing brewing between Jacqueline and woman, but we don't really get like many women's matches mm-hmm. in WCW. So I don't really know where it's headed. And then when I thought that, and I was like, wait, 
We literally have a WCW Women's Champion. Yeah. Do you know who it is? Um, is it at this point? Um, oh gosh, what's her name? Kensuke Sasaki's wife, Akira Hokuto. There you go. Wow. It is Akira Hokuto. She defeated Medusa to become the first champion just at Starcade. Yeah. Wow. And it's completely <laughs> forgotten about. And that, that's why I was like, they barely have women's. Oh, wait, they have a championship yeah. somewhere. Yeah, there was that tournament where they had to bring in like 80% of the women from outside the promotion. Uh, yeah, and, and she she was under a mask and lost to Medusa That's in like the right. first round. Yep. And then came back as a different wrestler. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> Shades of Volano 5. Yeah. I, initially, I thought this whole thing was going to be more build up for um, Chris Benoit versus Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. But it really was more about women and Miss Jacqueline. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as Conan, I mean... It was a more one of the more tolerable Conan matches, mm-hmm. uh, just because it wasn't that long, and it seemed like he t- had like better motivation than he typically does. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about the the asthma, stamina stuff, but like yeah. lots of times, it seems like he just checks out during his own matches. Well, going going back to something you said earlier, uh, unless it's saving a weak monologue joke, I never want it all to depend on Conan. Right, yeah. (laughs) I've been trying to find a way to make that joke work like the entire time you've been describing Right. (laughs) Was it worth it? No. (laughs) (laughs) When we return, Tony tells us that during the break, it was confirmed that Luger is unable to compete tonight due to the attack by the Outsiders, Mm. and Mongo will be taking his place. Uh, looks like we're still doing a little bit of the angle where Jarrett wants to be in the Horseman and Deborah wants him to be in the Horseman, but Mongo and no one else. I'll let Flair kind of likes him mm. at times, but like f- it, it feels like Flair, the character of Ric Flair is like doing this thing where he wants him to be in, but he also just wants everybody to be happy. Yeah. So he's like, hey, Jarrett, yeah, you're great. You can be in. And then when the other guys are like, we don't like him, he never like stands up for Jarrett. He's like, mm. look, I'm not going to like risk any of my political capital on this yeah but like if you ask me directly like yeah he's fine why not give him a chance and i mean rick flair's character has been like that for a long time and it's like it's just interesting because he's like one of the cockiest most arrogant wrestlers yeah but you feel like he's desperate for everyone to like him too well and it's interesting because that is true of the character and from everything i've heard that's true of flair as the person right that's why he flamed out his booker so bad because he wanted everyone to like him and you absolutely cannot do that when you're the booker. <laughs> right. And so he would just promise everybody the son, like, intending in the moment, probably, to, like, do it. Yeah. And, but then at the end of the day, you have to, somebody has to win. Right. And he couldn't keep everyone happy, and he just went, like, insane. Mm-hmm. Jared demands Mongo move out of the way so he can strut. Uh, Mongo eventually does, kind of led out of the way by Deborah, but he clobbers Jared in the back halfway through. Mongo chokes Jared with the top rope, then clotheslines him, and catches Jared attempting a crossbody and turns it into a power slam for two. A scoop slam by Mongo leads to a missed elbow drop. Uh, and I'm just kind of noticing as I go through these, like, I feel like this is the night of missed standing elbows. Almost every match had someone follow up a move with a standing elbow drop that got dodged. That was even a Lex Luger-esque leaping elbow <laughs> yes. drop, too, that he missed. <laughs> Jared gets a crossbody from the top for two. A drop kick then sends Mongo over the top rope to the outside. No mention of the whole DQ thing. Right. Uh, Deborah then attempts to stop Mongo from continuing the match and, in fact, manages to keep him on the outside for a full 10 count, and Mongo is counted out, and Jarrett wins. 
this was like basically an angle, not a match. It yeah. Was, it was like 90 seconds to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mongo is, of course, very angry. Deborah is smugly quite pleased with herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jarrett heads to the back doing some really good heel work, like yelling into the camera that he outsmarted Mongo, yeah. <laughs> which I I love that. I uh-huh. love taking credit for something that you had absolutely nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a fine little angle. I, I Nothing real big. Yeah, work. it's just another one of these other angles that's not NWO that just seems to be lingering forever. Like, yeah. what are we getting out of this, like, Jarrett, Mongo, Deborah thing? Are they going to have, like, a real match for something? I right. don't know control of Deborah, like those Ugh. things were just like women are property like uh, mm-hmm. uh kimberly page was at one point just yeah. like she's on the line in a match between ddp and uh johnny B. johnny B. Bad. Yeah. yeah she just has to accept like <laughs> yep. whoever she's paired with um i agree the match is pretty bad um mongo hit a couple power moves i thought looked okay like power slams yeah, or yeah. body slams or something um and he caught Jarrett with that cross body attempt and uh it doesn't look like it when he's in there with Mongo, but like have, Jared's one of those guys, almost like a Billy Gunn, people always mention, where you meet him and you're like, oh, you're big. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think of Jared as a big guy, and then you meet mm-hmm. him in person, and that's a big, big dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was impressed that Mongo just no sweat caught him in midair like it was nothing. Yeah. Power moves looked okay. Um, I actually thought his promo earlier in the evening was okay, mm-hmm. but my man does not know how to bump, like at all, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Um. I don't remember what it was. I think Jarrett hit him with a drop kick or something like that. But, like, do you guys remember, like, when you were learning how to catch a baseball? How, like, your dad teaches you, like, as ball's coming in, you kind of pull your glove in to guide the ball into your glove and yeah. soften the blow. Yeah. There's an element of that to taking a back bump, especially off, like, a top rope move mm-hmm. that Mongo does not understand. Sure. Um, uh, and then uh, something else I noticed. Do you guys remember that? Things Steve Austin said about Jeff Jarrett some sometime in the nineties that um, he doesn't hit the ropes hard enough to bust an egg. <laughs> you ever heard that? <laughs> no, no. I haven't. part of the reason why he didn't want to work with him is because yeah. he says he didn't work snug enough yeah. or stiff enough. Mm-hmm. But I watched this match and it's right, and he's right. Like, oh man, I'm gonna watch. Yeah, that Jarrett uh, slows down to like one mile an hour, yeah. and somewhere a ten year old Kelly Kelly is taking notes from home. <laughs> <I assume. laughs> um, otherwise, I, th- I thought it was fine. It's obviously an angle and. Jared yeah. still is one of the all-time best punch throwers, though. Yeah, like absolutely. Sure. I mean, I mean, maybe he doesn't work snug, but like at least punch-wise, it looks snug. Yep. Uh, we then get a commercial break during which a very odd Super Brawl ad airs. Did you guys pay much attention to this? I didn't get the ad. I, I saw think. it. Yeah. Okay, so it's like a, um, it's like a basement, mm-hmm. and there's a wall of cinder blocks set up, and a guy in a uh, like a scientist lab coat, like a mad scientist type is just yelling about super brawl and how WCW has to beat up the NWO. He runs into this block of cinder blocks and breaks them down. And that's about it. I, I guess it would make sense to some degree if he was like a construction guy, but mm-hmm. it's a mad scientist in a basement knocking over cinder blocks. Like, why is he a mad scientist? Right. That part is so strange to me. He couldn't get hard body Harrison for that promo. What? <laughs> Yeah, it seemed like um, they were putting a promo together with what they had available. Yeah, it's just like the props that you had or something. Yeah. I'd like make, maybe there'll be future ads that where it becomes clear to me what this concept is. But I, as of right now, I doubt that. It's. Uh, I mean, I know this is a twenty-second thing to just promote a paper, but yeah. it was so bizarre. 
I, I watched it like four times trying to figure out because I was like because there was a construction theme. I was like, is he actually like the foreman? But no, it's clearly a lab coat. So mm-hmm. I don't know what's happening there. Yeah. And it's like, how is this super brawl themed? Right. You know, because I feel like when it comes to like uncensored or especially uh, Halloween Havoc, they there's like obvious themes that they can play off of or when they right. like war games. But like this, it, it was all just like completely random. Super Brawl feels like one of the least defined pay-per-views on the schedule. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the only real gimmick with it, I think, is like it's usually reserved for the World War Three winner to get the oh, title sure. shot. Because I know Scott Hall got it. Not this time, the, though, because the yeah. Giants already blown his. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, weird. I think like every year it seems to just changed based on like what's convenient or like when Scott Hall won, then like a month later, they're like, it's just not convenient to yeah. do yeah. this right now. Well, cause like some people have gone at Starcade, some have gone at Uncensored. It just whenever it works for them. Yeah. And it's odd too, that they number it. They refer to it as like Super Brawl seven. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the only pay-per-view they do that way, which leads you to think like, okay, well, is it their WrestleMania? No, it's it's definitely oh, not. Not close. So why is it the one that gets a number? It's, You're right. I don't know. Other than I guess Clash, Clash of Champions usually gets a number. Yeah. Uh, but those have been like phased out, you know. Anyway, back in the Mid South Coliseum, Mean Gene introduces Rowdy Roddy Piper, who comes to the ring with his young son Colt, who is very cutely dressed up. He's got nice shoes. He's got like his Sunday best. He's yeah. wearing nice pants. He's got a tie. Mm-hmm. Super cute looking kid. Looks like he's probably, I'd say, about six, six or seven. Bobby Heaton refers to him as possibly being his attorney. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. That's great. That's great. Howdy. My name is Roddy Piper, a.k.a. Rubik's Cube. And I'm in Memphis, Tennessee, home of the king. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Elvis Presley. I'll tell you something. I'll never be an Elvis Presley. And Hulk Hogan will never be a Roddy Piper. I think we have a consensus opinion here tonight. You notice what a beautiful day it was and then Hogan's plane land and the rains came and washed all the crops away, you know. <laughs> they won. Thank you very much. You know, I have been uh, granted by the WCW, Ted Turner. I like to talk to them too. Ted Turner. A chance at the shot at the world's heavyweight title. It's just something I don't understand. I already beat the guy. Did he ever? Do you think that the Green Bay Packers would play the Super Bowl over again and give the Patriots another shot at it? No, they got the ball. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, w- I, I wanna. I'm going someplace here. I want to introduce someone. This is my son, Colt. Colt, I want you to say it's an honor to be in Memphis, Tennessee. It's an honor to be in Memphis, Tennessee. Chip off the old block. Uh, You know, folks, I've been on the road my whole life. I'm going to wind this up. Been on the road my whole life. 
You need a license to hunt in this world. You need a license to fish. But any jerk can have a baby. Takes a man to be a father. It's time that I grew up and become a man. I got six kids at home, and I appreciate the title shot, but no thank you. I got nothing to prove. Wait a minute. He said no. I apologize for this. Oh, his son's in the ring. His son is in the ring. Let's get him out of here. Uh, Rowdy literally does say howdy. That's not just a dumb pun I came yeah. up with. Uh, and says that... He's Roddy Piper, a.k.a. Rubik's Cube. <laughs> Never revisits that at all. No, this is one of his most sensical promos ever, but he starts <laughs> right. out bonkers. Yeah. Uh, he kind of settles into it then, though. I mean, when he makes comments like that, I just kind of like nod. Yeah, right. Like, uh-huh, okay. Uh, he says, of course, he's here in the home of Elvis. He says that he'll never be Elvis, but, of course, Hulk Hogan will never be Roddy Piper. Yeah, I thought that was a, de- it was was a, a decent line. line. Yeah. It's a good line, even if you know Hogan has eclipsed him and laughed <laughs> right. several times right. over. But Roddy says that he's been offered a title shot, but he's already beat Hogan. The Packers wouldn't replay the Super Bowl just to give the Patriots another shot. Mm-hmm. And he prods Colt to say that it's an honor to be in Memphis, which the crowd pops for. Yeah. Uh, crowds love a kid. Uh, Piper says that he needs to grow up and be a man and be father for his six kids at home. He pretends not to hear the NWO music start mm. uh, and says that he is turning down the title shot as he has nothing to prove. Yeah. Uh, just so I don't forget to go back to it. It's very funny to me, this promo in retrospect, because he is going to continue wrestling. So yeah. the idea that he has to be a man and be a father is apparently not. actually <laughs> right. yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. And Piper is 42 here. Right. Mm. Time to start being a parent at 42. (laughs) He's six kids deep, and it's time to start being a dad. He fucked up the first five. (laughs) Yeah, you know how old he is? He was trained by Gene LaBelle. Wow. Isn't that wild? (laughs) Yeah. I did make a note, like, earlier about how Hollywood Hogan is 43 and Roddy Piper is 42, and it's like, back then, we it was like they were old wrestlers. Right. And to the point where WWF would make fun of them being old. And now it's like, how many wrestlers in both promote in AEW oh, sure. and WWE are dependent on that are far older than that? That's true. Um, it also is just crazy to look at the difference. So, like, look at forty two for Hulk Hogan and forty two for AJ Styles. Like, right. what an insane difference! Yeah, uh, between the two, you know. Or, or like, um, Brian Danielson is forty. Yeah, but he does not look forty. Right. You know. Well, and I mean, talk about. A week and a half ago, CM Punk's 42. Mm-hmm. So he right now is the age Piper was here or in 97. <laughs> and Sting's 62. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's he's just a like. He's 62. <laughs> he's, he's a young 62. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bischoff and Hogan come to the ring, and Piper goes full work shoot, saying, Terry, don't do this to me, man. Yeah. Come on, Terry. Your name's Terry. Just your let real, me go home. Your real name's Terry. Yes, sir. This is not This good. is an intrusion, and I apologize. Uh, please, well, 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 please. Terry, Terry, don't do this to me, man. Just a sec- just second, folks. Yo, yo, stop! I'm not out here. I'm not out here to do anything. Terry, I'm asking you from the bottom of my heart, man. Don't do nothing. Just let me go home, man. Well, you know, brother, that's kind of weak, Piper. Terry, please don't do this to me. Why don't you go ahead and drop your knees and beg for mercy, Piper? 
You claiming to be the icon. One second. Had a chance at the NWO heavyweight title, but because you're so humble, because you fought all your life to get where you're at, the one thing you've never been, Piper, is a world's heavyweight champion. And let me tell you something, my friend. Bringing family out here, bringing your boy out here, don't tell me that you don't know what you're doing. You people better shut up or something real bad might happen. I don't know what that means, but this is not the time nor the place, gentlemen. Well, you know, this is not the time or the place, and he knew that. It's a calculated risk, Piper. Don't tell me you didn't know what you're doing. And you know, Mr. Bischoff, now that we're looking at Piper face to face, and I said I would defend the heavyweight title tonight, it's kind of obvious that Piper doesn't want to get beat again. Yeah, let me ask you something, Roddy Piper. In front of all these people and our audience, tell the world the truth. Hollywood Hogan beats you like a drum. Tell him. Uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hulk Hogan beat me uh, like a, like a drop. That's Hollywood Hogan. Protect Hollywood Hogan beat me uh, like a drop. Okay. Roddy, wait, wait a minute. You don't you don't have to do this in front of your son. You don't need to be humiliated like this. I just want to get out of here, okay? No, no, I, I don't no, blame no, you. No, 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 the party isn't over yet. No. Now I want you to straighten the record out and tell them when you go through the airports, when you go Christmas shopping with your family, when you go to school, who's the wrestler they talk about and who is the icon? Tell them that Hulk Hogan is the icon. Roddy, I said you don't have to do this. You don't have to be put through any more humiliation. Uh, Hulk, uh, <laughs> Hulk Hogan uh, is the icon, okay? Does that make you happy, man? You know what? It feels good to tell the truth, doesn't it? Hey, now that this is out in the air, brother, <laughs> I said I would wrestle you tonight. You got a buffer, a smoke screen, and the bottom line is this, I'm done with you. You talk about the Green Bay Packers, this is Green Bay right here. And my friend, calling you a coward is one thing. Saying you're yellow is another. But when it comes to maybe letting a seat belt hold you back, or maybe hiding behind a woman or a kilt, you, my friend, don't deserve to be called a coward. You, my friend, have sunk to the depths of humanity. You make me sick because you're hiding behind a kid. So why don't you just pack it up and get out of my sport now that you've admitted I'm the greatest and get out of my face. Roddy. Roddy, I, I, don't, I don't blame you. To come out here on a television show, popularity, the magnitude as this one. Hogan tells him to drop down to his knees and beg for mercy. 
He says Piper has never been a world champion and accuses Piper of having Colt out there uh, just kind of like he never gets out and out says it. But like you just brought Colt here so I wouldn't beat you up. Yeah. And so you'd have an excuse to walk away and be ashamed because you know that I'm the better man, etc. Using him as a human shield. kind of. Yeah. The crowd starts chanting and Hogan tells him to shut up and says real menacingly. That if they don't, something real bad might happen. Yeah. And I feel like awesome. the implication is he's going to punch Colt. Yeah. And it's really good. I was mm. like, damn, that's yeah. really dark for... Yeah. Even for, like, Hogan as a heel, that's, that's like, a depth that he would not normally go to. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very cool. Maybe maybe Hogan, after he shaved his mustache, would, though. <laughs> that, Remember yeah. when he's wielding the sword oh, yeah. and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, and wearing the Zorro mask. God, he would punch a kid. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. He was so dark. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Bischoff asks Piper to tell everyone the truth that Hogan beat him like a drum. Piper just wants to leave safely with himself and his kids, so he says it. Uh, but he doesn't say Hollywood Hogan, so Bischoff wants him to say it again, mm-hmm. uh, which Piper reluctantly does. Hogan then continues to badger Piper over being the true icon. Uh, Piper concedes that Hogan is the true icon. Hogan trash talks some more, and Piper finally makes like he's going to leave which uh, Hogan and Bischoff then gloat to the crowd over how much better, uh, stronger Hogan is, how much better he is. Yeah. Uh, but what Piper actually does is uh, spirits Colt away from the ring into the arms of some ring attendant guy who's standing there mm-hmm. uh, and then whips off his jacket. The crowd goes nuts. Of course, Hogan and Bischoff don't pay attention to what the crowd's reacting to. Piper grabs them both at the back of the head and initiates a meeting of the minds. He then starts punching Hogan and driving a belt into his face. Bischoff then stands on the apron with a chair. Uh, it seems like as soon as he gets up there with the chair, Piper was supposed to knock him down, yeah. but Piper kind of misses his cue. Uh-huh. So Eric's standing there forever, and he starts beating the rope with the chair to try to get his <laughs> attention, uh, which works because Piper gets up and knocks him down to the ground. Yeah. then poses in the ring with the belt as Eric and Hogan retreat. Piper accepts the match, saying that the home of Super Brawl, San Francisco, wants his Fisco. Yeah. It's San Francisco, watch my fist go. Yeah. Oh. Uh, the first time he says <laughs> yeah. it is not into a mic. Yeah. And I was like, that's awesome. Where did yeah. he come up with that? Then he says it in the mic and gets zero reaction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame because it's a pretty good line. Uh, Colt then joins him in the ring and Piper picks up. And our final image of the show is a great, great image to go out on. It's Piper standing in the ring, holding his son and the championship belt in his other hand. I also, I really remember the image of Piper holding the belt up and like screaming. Yeah. As like kind of like 
my, my b- biggest memory of Piper in WCW. Sure. Just, it, it look, he looks like a badass. And then he brings his kid, kid in and it's just like, oh, this is, it is uh, like this whole thing. When Hogan comes in until Piper beats on him, mm-hmm. Piper looks so terrible. He looks yeah. su- like such a bitch. Meek and- yeah. And it's- I, and I didn't catch it. I, I, cause I was kind of not paying attention at the moment, oh. but when I was reading like a recap of it, they said like the Piper was going to leave, but then Hogan hits him in the back of the head. Oh yeah. I, oh, ca- I, didn't I caught see that, that too. It I was cool. That. And that's what encouraged him because okay. what you said, it made it sound like he was like luring him into right. a trap. But it, instead, it was like he was ready to like. He just, was walking away, and then that one little slap, and he's like, "Yeah, all right, I got to do this." And it's just like he, because Piper said he had nothing to prove, but yeah. then like, why is he being such like uh, a little bitch about this? Like, he, because his son's there. Because he's like, yeah. I've got, I've got two guys here. You know, I'm a good wrestler, but like Hogan's a big, dangerous, scary guy. Yeah, he's threatened my son earlier mm-hmm. so all i wanted so he's he's just de-escalating he's like yeah you want me to say that i suck fine i suck just let me go with my son let me mm. get out of here like it's you ever you just get in those situations where you feel the tension in the air yeah. you know and you're like you're scared that something's gonna go down and he's got that feeling and his little son is next to him mm-hmm. i actually personally loved the way this played out to me and maybe I know this is like a silly card to play, but like maybe as a dad, I really felt a connection to this guy who's like, I don't care what I'm going to look like mm-hmm. on TV. Yeah. I just have to make my kid safe. And so they, whatever. Yeah. You no, beat I mean, me like a drum. You're the icon. Whatever. Yeah. Please just let me leave. Terry. Right. Like, just let me leave. Piper was perfect. He was, he was an excellent, excellent actor in this segment. Mm. Hogan uh, for how boring and like wrote his er, er, initial promo was to start the show. Yeah. He was fantastic in this segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric was fine. And I guess I kind of forgot to mention it in my recap, but, but mean Gene keeps saying like pipe er, Roddy, you don't have to do this. Yeah. You don't have to humiliate yourself. Like mm-hmm. forget about these guys. It's not worth it. Well, so Gene, Gene is great. Yeah. And he's a guy who's been up and down the road with them. Right. You know, since 1980 or whatever. So he's a great guy to put in the middle there. Yeah, so I thought I thought this segment was yeah. really good. I mean, I thought I thought it was executed very well. I just the why did they set it up with bringing Colt in the first place? Because it, I think it makes sense in that Piper's initial thing was to say, I don't want that match because I have something more important. Mm. And like, here it is. Here's mm-hmm. a tangible sign. Yeah. You've heard me talk about my kids over and over again. Here actually is my youngest son. Yeah. You know, so I feel like it makes sense <laughs> in, in that respect. Of course, it's a wrestling show. He should have expected. <laughs> right. But, like, if they all start being smart, then, like, none of this works. They yeah. have to not believe right. that's going to happen. It would have been great if he had all six kids in the ring. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and something bad's going to happen. <laughs> Points at all of them. Anytime I could find, like, some way to compliment Hogan, yeah. I'll try to do it. Sure. But I, the way that he reacted to um, him calling him Terry, mm-hmm. it was like, uh, Hulk Hogan, like the the character, was like offended. Yeah. Like, yeah. how dare you? And that yeah. I felt like it kind of set him off to like that higher level of like, mm-hmm. oh, now it's gonna get serious because you did like the serious thing of using my name sort yeah. of thing. It also did work because like we need to be convinced that this is like a fair matchup 
considering that like Piper clearly beat him. Right. But now it's like, but wait, Hogan's still the champions. Hogan's still like the big threat. Mm-hmm. And Hogan is still confident that he can just like thrash him around. John, what do you think? Uh, I thought it was, pre- it was good. Um, I'm not a fan of Roddy Piper's like mic work just in general. Um, See, I'm not either when he's going off the handle and being crazy, but yeah. I found this so like understated and real yeah. that I really, this, this one connected for me. Yeah. Mm. Um, but like he was a perfect fit on WCW's roster at this time. Um, crazy over, um, you, you know, even if I'm not a fan of some of Piper's work, like you can't make the fans cheer for you. Like the number one skill to have in wrestling is getting a crowd uh, engaged. Um, I thought Hollywood Hogan was awesome. I think he's like the best heel ever. Um, and like at the time he was like my favorite wrestler too. So I'm sure I was lapping this up at the time. Um, but like, it's just, it's like classic nitro, like building an entire show up for an in-rig confrontation at the end. That, yeah. Um, but you know, they're like the, the two biggest stars in the company arguably at that point. And I thought they were both really good in the segment and built the match really effectively. I will say, so, of course, if you watch Arcade, you know that, like, the match is not going to be worth it. Uh, yeah. In, but, like, in a, if you ignore that I know where these guys are at physically, like, in the classic sense in wrestling, does this make me want to watch the match between them? Yeah. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Unfor- I know the match is going to suck, though, in this particular case. Right. But, like, the angle does sell the match really, really well. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably a really good, uh, way to transition into our segment of the night and our MVP. Uh, and I'll just go first because I, I feel like it should be pretty obvious for me. My segment of the night was the final segment, uh, with Piper and Hogan confronting each other in the ring. I thought that was by far the best thing on the show. Uh, the performances by everyone involved were fantastic. Mm -hmm. Just really good stuff. Uh, Dave, let's go to you. What was your segment of the night? Yeah. I mean, I'd go with the with the final segment, there really was not a match that stood out to me in particular. And I kind of like halfway through, I was like, I, I don't think I'm going to be picking a match this time around. Cause it just, most of the matches, there wasn't a terrible match. They were all fine, but there wasn't really anything that I felt stuck out as like a really good match. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of, I, I think I just would get my MVP to Piper and Hogan. Because I felt like the way they worked together was so effective, sure. um, especially you know, and like like you were saying, uh, yeah, like Piper legitimately was was really good at doing like the okay, if you just want me to say it, right. I'll, I'll just say it. Yeah. You're the and you, but also like like struggling to say it too because he doesn't want to say that Hogan's the icon, but he's like Hogan's the icon or like like. A, I wear diapers like I'm a little baby sort of thing, you know, and and just like it's it's classic Hollywood Hogan that like you have to tell me all these things I want to hear. Like that's that's what I enjoy. Yeah, I I thought they were both like on their top level and it's like it's crazy for the fact that they had their star K match already, but you feel like they're they're at like a, a higher level now than they were back then. Yeah. So, I yeah, I, I do uh, both of them co-MVP. All right. Well, as long as we're doing them at the same time, because I, I didn't say MVP. We normally do that. It's been a long time. Yeah. So you may have forgotten the format. Uh-huh. But I will say my MVP was uh, Roddy Piper mm-hmm. uh, and John. So why don't you give us both your segment of the night and your MVP? Uh, I agree with both you guys. I think, um, you know, Piper or Piper and Hogan 
co-MVPs, and I thought the last segment was the best part of the show. Um, but I will say I thought most of the undercard was like perfectly functional booking, even if mm-hmm. um, didn't really advance any storylines. But, you know, some of their mid-card guys got pretty good-looking wins and stuff like that. And like I said, the crowd was super hot. Yeah. Like almost the whole night. Yep. So I thought the show overall was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that this was um yeah, this was a solid episode of Nitro. If I tuned in and I watched this, yeah. I'd maybe would have wished that there was a, a meteor match I could have sunk my teeth into. But mm-hmm. if you'll remember, really this has been the format of Nitro for a while, is a lot of short matches. Yeah. Uh the early Nitros really gave you longer matches you could enjoy. Um, but it almost seems like the two hour thing where you'd think that that would lead two longer matches it uh-huh. has led to a different format where they're putting a lot of short matches out there to try to get as many guys on tv as possible mm-hmm. um but yeah this was a good episode of nitro uh is it you know something you'd go out of your way to go back to no but if mm. this was just what was on monday night i'm happy when i'm done with it yeah uh well it has been very fun to be back uh we are looking forward to getting you a lot more episodes i'm having fun watching nitro again having fun watching aew uh, do want to, of course, say that if you're going out in public, wear your damn mask, people. Come on, baby. You can wear a mask. Or get, or just get vaccinated. Well, do yeah. I, for the love of God, get vaccinated. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. When I got vaccinated for a while, then I wasn't wearing a mask because it seemed like we had like six weeks of like, hey, life's normal again. Yeah. And now shit sucks. And so I am vaccinated, but I wear the mask anyway because mm-hmm. uh, who cares? Yeah, I, I'm wearing the mask now. Too. D- d- doesn't doesn't cost you anything. Right. Uh, so that's our advice. And uh, if you don't, uh, fuck you. What do I, no. <laughs> right. I used to care about, like, I don't want to alienate people, but, like, holy shit, you guys. Like, no. this this has to end. We could have ended it so long ago. So that's our advice, uh, our official health advice from your favorite wrestling podcast. Yes, it's fuck you. It's <laughs> Our advice is fuck you. Uh, thank you so much for listening, for staying with us, for all of uh, those of you out there that didn't delete us from your podcast feeds mm-hmm. when we went 16 months without an episode. Or, or welcome back if you just added us again. Right, yeah. yeah. Or if you saw on Twitter, like, oh, those guys are back? Cool. Oh, shit. I yeah. thought they were dead. Uh, and we will see you again soon right here where the big boys play 20 Years of Nitro. hear what happened here yesterday in florida no what what was that it was it was it was ground weasel day yeah Puxatani bobby uh, stuck his head out of his condo saw a shadow so we're gonna have six more weeks of bad taste <laughs> and that's your 1-800-collect road report from jacksonville i'm lee marshall for 1-800-collect all right lee and of course next week i hate him <laughs> next week what a miserable human being <laughs>